11-year-old girl found dead at her home in Hertfordshire. Rebecca Thompson was found at an address in Homefield Road in Bushy on Saturday lunchtime. Gail Sanderson reports. Police are still waiting to question a 52-year-old man believed to be her father who was seriously injured in a car accident early on Saturday morning. He's in hospital. Rebecca was a pupil at Sacred Heart Primary in Bushy. Yesterday, her head teacher, Rita Cooper, described her as a lovely, hard-working girl who is looking forward to secondary school. A jury will continue its deliberations today in the case of two care workers accused of the neglect of 19 residents at a home in Buckinghamshire. 56-year-old Tidilayo Ajala from Fishermead in Milton Keynes and 41-year-old Henrietta Afai from Denby deny the ch- sorry from Derby deny the ch- charges. It's alleged that the managers of the Westlands home in Olney found the two workers asleep in August 2011. The residents' personal alarms have been disconnected. The healthcare advisory body NICE says women at an increased risk of breast cancer should be given medication to prevent the disease. New guidelines say drugs such as tamoxifen should be offered to half a million women who might otherwise have opted for mastectomy. A knife crime education programme will be rolled out in schools in Berkhamsted, Hemel and Tring from September. They'll be visited by representatives of Billy's Wish, a charity set up in memory of 21-year-old Billy Dove who was fatally stabbed in Hemel Hempstead in 2011. His father, Paul Dove, says it's time to reach out. There's going to be a few who don't want to listen, who are not interested in it, but hopefully the others can sort of put into them that it is important and uh, to get them on board because uh, it is a serious thing to carry a knife because uh, with a knife it does kill. In sport, Rafael Nadal suffered his first ever first round defeat at a Grand Slam as he was knocked out of Wimbledon by the world number 135, Steve Darcis. The Belgian beat the former world number one in straight set 7-6-7-6-6-4. The weather, mostly dry with warm sunny spells and a top temperature of 20 degrees Celsius, that's 68 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Send, send me some energy, Catherine, I need some energy. OK, here we go. You ready? <sighs> How's that? I said some energy, not that. (laughs) Oh, dear. Very restless night last night, despite my sleep being topped up by the mighty night nurse. Oh. Oh, the dreams I was having. It was like 1968 in Woodstock. But restless. The boys kept waking up. Oh, my eldest woke up. He was covered in wee-wee. Fun times. Fun times. He was dreaming all night about his bunny, though. He was dreaming... What were you dreaming about? My bunny. The rabbit is a huge success. I think I am dad of the year for the rest of this week. All other fathers, smash up your best dad in the world mugs. They belong to me! <laughs> I'm literally the best dad in the world. Right. Lots coming up this morning, including a new initiative was launched last night in Hertfordshire to promote knife crime awareness. Justin Dealey was there. We'll find out exactly what happened. Plans are being proposed that would change when you could visit your doctor. It is a nuisance, isn't it? Trying to get an appointment for the doctor. Would you like to be able to see your GP at the weekend? And I've got a little bit of a conundrum today. Justin Dealey is wearing a really nice shirt, okay? And I don't think it suits him. I've decided I'd like it. But is it ever okay? For men to share clothes. You girls do it all the time. Can I borrow a bit of your lippy? Can I have your bag? Oh, that blouse looks nice. Nice frock, Jane. Can I wear it to the party at the weekend? But blokes, can they do it? Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. 
you can send me a text 81333 start your text 3CR put your name on please best way of course though is to give me a phone call 08459 455 555 across beds hearts and bucks this is BBC Three Counties Radio Now, you may remember that back in uh, 2011, 21-year-old Billy Dove was fatally stabbed in the centre of Hemel Hempstead. He'd been out for a few drinks with his friends and they were approached by a gang of people when the attack happened. Well, last night, an education programme was launched and it's being used to promote knife crime awareness in primary and secondary schools uh, across the Hemel, Berkhamsted and Tring areas. We can get more now from our reporter, Justin Dealey, who was at the launch last night. Justin, just remind us of the background to this story. Well, the launch itself yesterday was very, very successful. As you mentioned, Billy had done absolutely nothing wrong. He was simply out with his friends for a night out in Hemel, 21 years old, back in 2011, and he was fatally stabbed. It's um, it's a tragic story. Uh, living in Hemel, I know the story well, and, and people have been affected very badly. Billy's wish the charity was set up. Uh, Billy's family don't want anybody to go through what they've been through. This is trustee Jam Madden, and she explains the new videos, which will be shown in schools from September. We're aiming the campaign at years six, seven and eight, which may sound very young, um, but actually the average age that a child starts to carry a knife is 14, so we need to get in there before that. Um, year six, obviously, is still at primary school. That's a very gentle approach. There are no knives mentioned whatsoever. Um, it's all about identifying safe adults. If you've got a problem, if you're not comfortable with something, who you would go to. Year seven is about the consequences of carrying a knife, and year eight is very much about the hard-hitting facts. Um, they're being put together as workshops uh, which have a, a film at the a short film at the beginning and end um, to encourage debate and discussion during the workshop. The average age that kids start carrying knives is 14? Apparently so. I mean, oh When I was dear. told that last night I couldn't quite believe it. It's um, shocking. The videos are, are very, very powerful. I saw those and, and Billy's friends were there as well last night. What were they saying to you, well, Justin? They simply cannot come to terms with this. You, you, you just can't come to terms with it. Your best friend goes out for for a night out and you never see him again this is a deal and he told me his happiest memories of billy so many memories um too many to name them to be fair before we were old enough to go into the clubs we'd just be together our friday nights saturday nights just around each other's houses just every night like just obviously like best mate what best mates do really you don't expect your best friend 21 years old to go out and, and be stabbed to death um, it must have been incredibly shocking for you and you must still think about him every single day every day without fail and the fact that he wasn't even meant to go out that night like it wasn't planned or anything it was just a last minute thing which makes it worse, really. Family are being positive. They don't want any other family to go through this. You've also set up a football team in Billy's memory, Dubs United. You've had a fantastic season. Tell us what you've won. Yeah, our first season together, we won the treble. We've won the county cup, the league cup, and we've won the league. <laughs> so we cleared up in our first season, really. <laughs> I mean, if he's looking down, he'll be smiling, won't he? 100%, 100%. And you're the top goal scorer? Yep, 45 goals. <laughs> 45 goals in a season? Yep. <laughs> wow. Well, that was Justin Dealey reporting. Thank you for that, Justin. We can find out uh, more from Mike Penning, who's the MP for Hemel Hempstead. Uh, morning, Mike. Very good morning to you. Uh, awful case, only two years ago. What do you hope people will get out of this crime education programme? Well, I hope, like the family does, that young people are going to be educated uh, away from, and that doesn't mean, you know, lecture to, but actually getting an understanding that knife crime could actually destroy someone else's life as well as their own. 
and it's a fantastic opportunity, I think, for young people to get it straight from the family and from the trustees like Jan as to what the problem really is. And I was shocked, like you was. I, I heard a moment ago when the figures were given to me, and I've had those figures checked out in the House of Commons, 14 is the average age. The average? That means there are kids younger than that that are getting their yeah, first absolutely. lives, which is just incredible. Children! And we've got to actually get across that uh, this destroys lives. And what's fantastic about the loss, and it, you know, we had a tragic loss of the abhorrent crime when Billy was gone. I know the family really well, and they are so desperate to make sure that other families don't go through what they've gone through and have the tragic loss that they've had. So people have to know, and young people have to know, that if you carry a knife, you are, you know, you're highly likely to get prosecuted. The police will pick up this an offence. But at the same time, let's try and get to them before they get to that situation, which is where the education programme comes in. I understand this programme uh, is being released to all schools in decorum. Do you think it could be rolled out elsewhere? Yes, I, and I really do hope it does, because if we can, if we can actually touch those youngsters early enough, for them to understand early enough and the best way for them to understand is not provided by you or me probably telling them what to do it's from someone who has had this to touch their life and their family to actually come across and i mean i've done a part of the video as well but the biggest thing is from as you just heard a moment ago from the friends and loved ones who are saying this doesn't need to happen to other families you know think about it but is there enough, uh, this project to one side, is there enough being done on a local level to tackle knife crime, do you think? Well, I think I don't, is there ever enough? But, you know, yes, I, you know, I think we, we do really well in the community around here. I mean, I know Justine lives in the community. You should be able to go out and have a few beers on a Friday night, any night of the week, whether it's planned or not, and feel completely safe. And that is 99% of the time that is the case. But we have a kind of a fashion fad with youngsters at the moment that it is the cool thing to carry a knife. And we've got a break there. It happened when, interestingly enough, I was speaking to my, my grandfather not too long ago. It happened in the 50s, interestingly enough, with flick knives. And that was the fashion and the trend and that then. As part of the, you know, if you wish the fans, we think this is new, it's not new, we need to defeat it again. Mike, nice to talk to you. I appreciate your time this morning. Uh, Mike Penning, MP for Hemel Hempstead. After seven this morning, we'll be speaking to Chris Preddy, who's the presenter of the videos being used in this new education programme. If you want to give us a call about that or any of the other things we're talking about this morning, 08459 455555.
opposite me Of my primitive ancestry Which stood on rocky shores And kept the beaches shipwreck free Though I respect that a lot I'd be fired if that were my job After killing Jason off And countless screaming Argonauts New bird of friendliness Like guardian angels It's always near New canary in the outlet by the light switch Who watches over you Make a little birdhouse In your soul Not to put too fine a bond on it Say I'm the only bee in your bonnet Make a little birdhouse In your soul While you're at it Leave the nightlight on inside the birdhouse In your soul Not to put too fine a bond on it Say I'm the only bee in your bonnet Make a little birdhouse In your soul While you're at it Leave the nightlight on inside the birdhouse In your soul Not to put too fine a point on it Say I'm the only bee in your bonnet Make a little birdhouse in your soul While you're at it Leave the nightlight on inside the birdhouse in your soul Not to put too fine a point on it Say I'm the only bee in your bonnet Make a little birdhouse in your soul Is there anything more joyful than They Might Be Giants birdhouse in your soul? I don't think so, apart from Hanson no, I know. I love Han- I genuinely love Hanson. Remember them? Umbop. I love them. There is a very tiny, slim chance they might be coming on our show on a Friday morning to sing a couple of songs. I know! Isn't that exciting? I'm in negotiations with them. By that I mean, I was sent an email asking if I would like Hanson. I replied yes. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Umbop. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Now, we had one problem a little earlier this morning on the M11. Northbound, there was an accident between Harlow and Bishop Stortford, Junction 7 and 8. That has since cleared, and traffic's on the move through there again. Things generally looking fine. It's moving nicely on the major routes across the three counties. We've got some roadworks in Beaconsfield. Last couple of days for these works on the A40 between Lakes Lane and Piebush Lane. And if you're going to be driving into Aylesbury, you'll still find some temporary traffic lights along the A41 around the junction with Berrylands. Things looking fine on the trains as well. It's been a decent start with no problems reported on the rails or on the tubes into and out of London. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Right, 6.16 exactly. It's Tuesday the 25th of June. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. An MP is calling for the resignation of five key members of the East of England Ambulance Service Trust after a report found weak leadership had put patients at risk. The man shot dead in Aylesbury on Sunday night has been named locally as 44-year-old Daryl Farnham from Belgrave Road. In sport, on day one of Wimbledon, Rafa Nadal is out, but Andy Murray beat Benjamin Becker in straight set 6-4-6-3-6-2. Coming up, we'll talk more about the East of England Ambulance Service Trust. Some board members may have to resign. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio.
every weekday morning, questions are asked. What should the government do next to stop people smoking? Who do you blame for our failing high streets? Opinions are formed. There is no place in a civilised society for people like that. They should get real. Part of me says it is wrong. And you get to have your say. I think the whole thing is absolute garbage, frankly. Join in with the big phone-in from Nine. Not everyone will agree. What an interesting conversation. The JVS Show. Weekday mornings from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. Never felt like this until I kissed you. How did I exist until I kissed you? Never had you on my mind. I kissed ya, oh yeah, things have really changed since I kissed ya, uh-huh, my life's not the same now that I kissed ya, oh yeah, mmm, you got a will about ya, now I can't live without ya, never knew what I missed till I kissed ya. I kissed you, oh yeah You don't realize what you do to me And I didn't realize what a kiss could be Oh yeah, you don't realize what you do to me, and I didn't realize what a kiss could be. You speak of bands that famously hate each other. I kissed ya. Oh, the Everleys can't stand each other. Uh, I hate each ya. other. Are they still alive? I think the Everleys are still alive. Famously hate each other, them and Simon Gar- and Garfunkel. They, I mean, Simon and Garfunkel don't hate the Everleys. Simon hates Garfunkel and Vice and indeed Versa. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. The ambulance service that covers beds and hearts will be discussed in Parliament today. Board members of the East of England Ambulance Service Trust have been called on to resign following a highly critical report of the service. A recent external review of the Trust, which serves six million people, found that weak leadership and a lack of focus have put patients at risk. The Conservative MP for Witham in Essex, Priti Patel, will today demand the resignation of five non-executive directors in a Commons debate. Vice Chairman Paul Remington... Caroline Bales, Phil Barlow, Anne Osborne and Margaret Stockham get £6,000 a year each from taxpayers to hold the trust to account. Well, Mrs Patel, who accuses the board of a culture of incompetence, will speak to me on this show after seven. But first, I'm joined by Gary Applin, the East of England Ambulance Branch Secretary for Unison. Uh, morning, Gary. Do you agree with, these, uh, with this call for resignations? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, good morning to you. Um, basically, I, I, I just can't understand how five people that are employed with taxpayers' money have not uh, been had their eye on the ball and kept uh, kept the trust in order. Basically, can you explain to, to uh, a, a simpleton like me how it's how it's their fault, the fault of these five people that that, that service hasn't been up to speed? Well, basically, um, they're non-executive directors. Um, they have a vote on the board. They sit uh, on various parts of the board. They have a, a, an area of responsibility within the board, whether that be operational, non-operational, whatever. And they are to oversee and to essentially sign off the uh, processes that the board have got to go to, the running, day-to-day running of, of the board and of the trust. That's how they work. 25 recommendations uh, were called for in this report. That seems a lot to me. Can these be brought in effectively with these directors still in place, do you think? Uh, no. Uh, certainly our, our, um, our, our mantra is that you need a clean start. I mean, it's basically damage is done, they're damaged goods, and we, we have called for a, a complete change on the board. I mean, even if it goes further than that. That's that's how that's where we stand. You say, what do you mean by going further than that, Gary? I, I think they could go further. I, I I just do. I just think that you know the, the twenty five. What the, sorry, the recommendations? No, no. The the amount of board members you've got five there. I think they should I, they should look at other people as well. Okay, okay. Uh, the trust has been criticised for response times and the quality of care of its patients. Some might possibly argue, Gary, that could be down to the frontline staff. Why would you say not? Uh, absolutely not. I mean, I'm I'm a member of the frontline staff. I'm clinically trained, um, and I I work with my colleagues. I can tell you now that they are the utmost professional in what they do. They care for their patients. They absolutely ha- put 110 percent into everything they do. There is, in my opinion, having worked for 12 years on emergency operations, there is never a problem with the uh, care that our staff give to patients. And, and would you say that, uh, uh, that weak leadership and a lack of focus has put lives at risk? Yeah, I think potentially it, it must have done. Um, certainly, you know, from, from, from not from our own perspective, because obviously, as, as somebody on the road, you just do the best for your patients. However, lack of resources, you know, and, and things like that, that, you know, they must have an effect in the long term on on the lives of people gary now this is all out in the open what's morale like amongst the staff um the morale's still poor i mean there's no doubt about it i mean it's 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 at the low time however i've got to say that andrew morgan's uh, plans and and the fact that he's listening to people are are having a slight effect we'll say that there is there is definite i think there's there's light at the end of the time so andrew morgan he's chief executive of the trust yeah uh, and what kind of uh, d- suggestions is he making what difference is he making well he's li- for, for a for, for first thing he's doing is he's listening to staff he's going out he's listening to staff and he's taking on board what they say he's totally making everything as transparent as he can which it never was i mean those two things to start off with staff and staff like to see that they, they don't like to be kept in the dark uh, and it's he just genuinely knows that we haven't had enough resources 
and he's trying his best to get those visuals. See, hearing that, Gary, listen, I've uh, been unfortunate enough in the past, I've had to dial 999 and get an ambulance out. I know lots of my listeners will will have done that or will be doing that at some point. To hear there's there's not enough resources, that's quite worrying. Do you think, do you think members of the public should be concerned? I think, uh, yeah, I, I have no doubt that they should be concerned. I mean, it's, it, it, it beggars belief that we spend X amount of money on, on, on solo responses and not enough on double-manned ambulances. I just can't, you know, for the life of me, work that one out. But that's, that's you know, that's a common problem, I think. Gary, I uh, appreciate your time this morning. That's Gary Aplin, East of England Ambulance Branch Secretary for Unison. Are you concerned? Have you had to call an ambulance out recently? Every time I've called an ambulance out, they, they've been amazing. Absolutely fantastic. Touch wood so far. What about you? Have you ever had to call an ambulance out? How long did it take? 08459 455 555. You can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR or send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Put your name on it, please. We'll be talking about doctors' opening hours as well. Would you like to see your doctors opening at the weekend? Would that make life easier for you? In your message you say Not only a fantastic scent this morning, normally he doesn't really bother with the smells, but he smells divine. I'm not, but I would. Seriously. He's also got on just an awesome shirt. It's this lovely kind of green, it's the same green uh, of tents. I know it doesn't sound that good when you describe it like that, but it's just this this wonderful green. Uh, And I don't think it suits him. 
I, I think it looks ridiculous on him. I think it would suit me perfectly. He needs something light and bright to bring out the sparkle in his eyes. Uh, Whereas that, I know a little bit, is there something about him today that's, that's got me? I don't know if he's wearing extra pheromones or what. Uh, but that green would look good on me. And uh, he's, well, he's offered me a loan of his shirt. A loan. I, I want him to give it to me and I'm working on that, but the shirt. Um, he's offered me a loan of the shirt and I'm, it, girls, you girls, you borrow clothes and accessories and all kinds of things all the time. Oh, can I borrow your handbag, Michelle? Oh, that's a nice frock, Sally. Can I wear it to Steve's party at the weekend? Hey, those are lovely um, shoes, Denise. Can I wear them to go shoe shopping at the weekend? <laughs> um, these are all true stories I'm relating to you, by the way, that actually happened between real women. Um, women borrow shoes and accessories and clothes all the time. You're constantly swapping them back and forth. Is it ever acceptable for men to borrow each other's clothes? Years and years ago, I borrowed a, a pair of trousers that my friend had that I really liked. Now I'm saying that out loud, I feel a little bit dirty and soiled. 08459 Is it ever acceptable for men to borrow each other's clothes? Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. In Hitchin, the A505, you've got roadworks at the moment around the junction with Cambridge Road through Dunstable. Still got the closure of Boscombe Road on the southbound side. That's shut for roadworks between Chilton Park and the A505 for major upgrade works to the Luton Road, Boscombe Road junction. And through Wing, Leighton Road, temporary lights for gas main work. This is along the A418 at the junction with Stukeley Road. Can cause delays on some mornings. Hasn't looked too bad so far today. In fact, sweet centres are not picking up any delays across the three counties so far this morning. Things are looking good all the way down into London on the M1. And if you're travelling by train, it's much the same picture with everything running to time. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. Adam, would you ever borrow a, a male friend's clothing? Um, maybe a jacket, but I don't know about a shirt or anything like that. I mean, I'd, if I'd, I'd I was, wash it. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. If I was, you'd make sure that you wash it first. I wouldn't want and his... then wash it before giving it back. Well, exactly. I wouldn't want his bodily fluids on me. That's no, that's not going to happen. No. But just to yeah, you, you wash it, then press it. Yes, I'd, you'd be up with that, would you? Yeah, probably. All right. Thank you very much, Adam. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Here's someone uh, whose clothes I borrow constantly. It's Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts, and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's 6.30. The headlines and MPs calling for the resignation of five key members of the East of England Ambulance Service Trust after reports found weak leadership had put patients at risk. The man shot dead in Aylesbury on Sunday night has been named locally as 44-year-old Daryl Farnham from Belgrave Road. And a jury will continue its deliberations today in the case of two care workers accused of neglecting 19 residents at a home in Buckinghamshire. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Rafael Nadal refused to blame injury for bowing out of Wimbledon at the first round stage. The French Open champion suffered his first ever first round exit at a Grand Slam as he lost to the world number 135 Steve Darcis yesterday. The Spaniard appeared laboured as he fell to a straight sets defeat but afterwards paid tribute to his opponent. For me it was not a lot of things good but um, you know, just congratulate Darcis. I think he played with the right decision, played well and that's all. It's, it's not the right day. I, I tried my best out there in, in every moment. Um, was not was not possible for me. 
And that's all. No? The, the opponent played well. I had my chances. I didn't make it. We've got a local tennis player involved in the doubles today. Dave Rice, who trains at the Gosling Centre in Welling, lines up alongside Sean Thornley. Playing Frank Mose and Marinko Matosovic, one guy from Germany, one guy from Australia. Um, I mean, we, we know him a little bit, but uh, we've we never actually played him before, so obviously hopefully we can, we can win. And we've basically got a sort of not before times so yeah, we're going to probably play in the evening. Finally, football and MK Dons manager Carl Robinson believes his younger players will benefit most from the appointment of Gary Waddock as head of coaching. Waddock's arrival at Stadium MK plugs the gap left by Mick Hartford's departure as assistant manager earlier this month. And Robinson says Waddock has many strengths. He's a fantastic coach. He's a, he's a very calm and influence, but he's a very, very good coach. We've worked with young players before. Um, he understands the belief in young players. Uh, his philosophy is very, very similar and very attacking football. So he, I can say any player under the age of 24 at the football club is, is going to read the rewards of, of working under somebody who wants to coach. And that's your latest news and sport. I'll be back with more at 7 o'clock. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Just a little technical hitch here. The next record queued up is uh, simply red. That must surely be a mistake because that there ain't no way that's getting played on here. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up, uh, we'll be having the latest uh, on the revelations that a police officer was asked to spy on the Stephen Lawrence family uh, to dig out some dirt on them. We'll also be asking, would you like your doctors to open at the weekend? It's so difficult to get a doctor's appointment, isn't it? Wouldn't it make life so much easier if you could go on a Saturday afternoon or maybe even a Sunday morning? 08459 455 555. And is it ever acceptable for gentlemen to exchange clothes? Girls do it all the time. Why can't blokes? Sweet, sweet. Mary One fresh and tender kiss At one stolen night of bliss One girl, one boy Some grief, some joy Memories are made of this Don't Forget a small in lightly with a dream. Your lips and mine, two sips of wine. Memories are made of this. Then at the wedding bells, one house where lovers dwell. One love through 
life Man, sweet, sweet Marita, made of this It's a world game of cat and mouse in in many of the newspapers today. A picture of two empty plane seats. One of them should have contained the fugitive intelligence contractor, Edward Snowden. The gentleman, of course, who uh, revealed to the world that America, and possibly um, Britain as well, were spying on, well, on all of us. The United States has urged Russia to send him back to America to face justice, warning that relations will be damaged if he's not handed over. Mr Snowden had been expected to board a flight from Moscow to Cuba yesterday. President Obama would not tell reporters whether he discussed the case with the Russian President Vladimir Putin, only saying the legal channels were being pursued. What we know is, is that uh, we're following all the appropriate legal channels. Uh, and working with uh, various other countries to make sure that uh, rule of law is observed. And beyond that, I'll refer to the Justice Department that has been actively involved in the the case. Well, the founder of the whistleblowing website WikiLeaks, Julian Assange, he's been in that Ecuador embassy for over a year. Isn't that incredible? He said that Mr Snowden is safe and on his way to Ecuador. Mr Assange, who is also wanted by the American authorities and is in hiding at the Ecuadorian embassy in London, said Mr Snowden had been given an Ecuadorian refugee document of passage uh, to travel. Mr Snowden has submitted an asylum application to Ecuador and possibly uh, to other countries. The Ecuadorian foreign minister, Latino, has said that uh, the asylum application uh, is being carefully considered. Well, despite its diplomatic tough talk, the US faces considerable difficulty in securing co- cooperation on Mr Snowden from nations with whom it has chilly relations. The White House said Hong Kong's refusal to detain him had unquestionably hurt relations between the states and China. Dr John Schindler is professor, professor of national security affairs at the US Naval War College. I think the assumption is that it's vast. Uh, General Alexander, the director of the National Security Agency, our equivalent here of GCHQ in your country, said that the damage was irreparable. Um, That's a strong word. I I, I don't know about that. I I think the damage is very extensive and will take years to repair. Well, how long can Snowden remain on the run and undetected? One man who knows is Bond, David Bond. He made a documentary about how much private companies and the government knew about him by putting himself under surveillance and attempting to disappear. He said Mr Snowden couldn't hide forever. The great irony is probably that he'll be caught by human error. You know, the death of all of our privacy by these kind of thousand cuts from technological spying probably won't be ultimately what undoes him. And it wasn't what undid me in the end. Um, He'll trust the wrong person in the end. And eventually, I'm sorry to say he'll probably get in touch with someone he shouldn't and they will pounce. Meanwhile, Ecuador's president and foreign minister declared that national sovereignty and universal principles of human rights, not US prodding, would govern any decision they might make on granting asylum to Snowden. Can I ask you a question, dear listener? By the way, isn't it clever how uh, the, the America has deflected the, the story away from the fact they've been spying on everybody in the world to the fact there's this fella on the run? So we're not talking about... You know, the, the fact that America have been spying on us. We're talking about some bloke that's on the run. What do you think should happen to, uh, to Mr Snowden? Do you think he should be captured and sent back to the United States? Or do you, are you kind of secretly applauding him, going, well done, fella, good work? In many ways, you consider him to be some sort of folk hero. I, I genuinely haven't made my mind up on this one yet. I don't know whether I should be applauding him 
or cheering on the forces of the states? Whose side are you on? Can we just get a quick straw poll, please? 08459 455 555. You can text me as well. 81333. Start your text 3CR. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, here's something else I'm sure you'd like to have your say, and lots in the papers today about plans for longer NHS hours. Doctors' leaders have been accused of ignoring the wishes of patients by mocking plans for more services at evenings and weekends. So Bruce Keough, the medical director of NHS England, is working on plans for more routine operations, clinics and tests. But yesterday, Dr Mark Porter, chairman of council at the British Medical Association, said that the health service can barely afford its current model. It's been described by some as a Tesco NHS where a 24-7 service is available. Well, would you like to be able to see your doctor later in the evening and at weekends? Dr Mike Ingram is a GP in Radlett in Hertfordshire. It is difficult for, for people who work, Mike, to, to see doctors, isn't it? Well, unfortunately, I'm able to say not in Radlett because we have our commuter surgeries starting at 7 in the morning. We have weekend surgeries and we even have surgeries going on uh, towards till 9 o'clock at night. So It's a rarity, a- though, isn't it? Well, that's not true. Uh, the I've never cro- I've up. never come across a surgery that I've been a member of that's been open late at the, uh, in the evening or at weekends. Well, in fact, all UK surgeries do provide some extended hours of care. That means care outside the hours for which we're paid, which is the hours of uh, eight, uh, eight in the morning till six thirty. But night. you can't you can't make an appointment in, in most surgeries to see your doctor um, when you finish work at eight o'clock in the evening or, or on, on a Saturday morning, can you? Well, you, I'm, I'm saying you can with us, uh, and, uh, and uh, in fact, most surgeries. I'm not registered with the surgery I actually uh, uh, work at. I, I, I've got my own surgery, and I can make a, uh, Saturday morning appointments there as well. So I, I think it, whilst not, it's not, uh, there's not masses of appointments at that time, you're right, it's, it's not commonplace. Uh, the, the, there are extended hours in most general practitioners' surgeries. But, but, uh, but first, the common... First, first thing to dispel, we, we, we must... Be, be accurate here. But you're right. Okay, it, w- let's talk about being open seven days a week, you know, nine to five, seven days a week, w- w- which is uh, perhaps Sir, B- Sir Bruce Keogh's proposal. Uh, uh, that's perhaps a different matter. But uh, just right uh, just like the 24-hour care debacle when uh, Jeremy Hunt was saying GPs don't work out of hours, well, he then had to retract it and say, in fact, they do work out of hours. We got that one wrong. Here's another one saying you can't get appointments uh, outside the core hours. GPs have, uh, for the last three or four years, all offered extended hours appointments. But I know, Mike, I, I, I hate to disagree. I'm sure that some do. I know if I phoned up my surgery and said, oh, can I get an appointment tonight at half past seven? They'd say, no, that's not, that's not the hours. Could I get an appointment at 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning? No, you can't do that. These are the opening hours, Monday to Friday. This is when you can come in. And I think most people listening to this would, would, have, in, would have encountered that. Uh, I think that they may have done. Um, all I can say is that the, what I suggest when you go back to your surgery and, uh, and ask them that question, look, if I, if I do need a Saturday morning appointment, do you actually provide those sessions? Uh, see what they say. I'd be very interested in, in that because I, I think they'll find that there are some, some appointments. I'm not saying hundreds of appointments. There are some appointments always kept uh, for people who do need to have them out of hours. And I say, we do that. Uh, we, we have early morning starts three days a week. We even have early morning blood tests for patients. We have early morning physiotherapy starting at 7 o'clock in the morning for people who are on their way to work. So I, I can speak from personal uh, experience, and we're not the only practice that does that. OK, Mike, listen, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much indeed. That's uh, Dr uh, Mike 
uh, Ingram, GP in Radlett. He, I, I would, have I got this wrong? I just know that the last two surgeries I've been a member of, I, I've not been able to get late night appointments or weekend appointments. Mike, they're saying that they do uh, in Radlett. Fantastic. Well done. Seems to be implying that perhaps more surgeries do than I think. Well, can you let me know? This is this is when I need you to uh, be my reporter, to be my eyes and ears on the street. Have you tried to get a doctor's appointment outside of sort of normal working hours? What, eight till five, eight till six, shall we say? Have you tried to get the doctor's appointment outside of that? And have you been successful? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. A normal doctor's appointment on a Saturday morning. I, I, I'm scratching my head. I know my surgery wouldn't do that. The last surgery I, was, I, I left. Well, when did I move? Six seven months ago. The last surgery certainly wouldn't do that. If I wanted to see the specific doctor, Doctor Isaacson was my original uh, doctor. Where I last was, uh, could sometimes have to wait a couple of weeks. Any old doctor could get an appointment within a couple of days. Have you tried, I do need your help on this one, you, only you can give me the answers to this, have you tried to get an appointment outside of normal weekday working hours with your local doctor and have you been successful? Happy to be proved wrong on this, 08459 455 555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Speed sensors picking up delays in some of the usual spots. The M25 is looking heavy as you come from Waltham Abbey in toward Enfield and the roadwork section with the 50 mile an hour restriction. Then as you continue, it's slow from the M1 at Junction 21 round to Kings Langley at Junction 20 and again from Maple Cross at 17 to the M40 at Junction 16. It's also a little bit of heavy traffic on the North Middle Road, the A405 approaching the M25 at the Junction 21A roundabout, but that's not looking like a massive queue. Sensors picking up a little bit of traffic coming in to Harpenden as well. As you come southbound on the A1081 it's looking a little slow past the station. In fact the northbound side is looking busiest right now past there. Uh, Not too bad but certainly slower than you might expect. M1 and A1M though are looking clear. We've got no issues on the cameras along the M40 and if you're travelling by train no delays or disruption. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much Adam. Right, 6.47, it's Tuesday the 25th of June. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. An MP is calling for the resignation of five key members of the East of England Ambulance Service Trust after a report found weak leadership had put patients at risk. The man shot dead in Aylesbury on Sunday night has been named locally as 44-year-old Daryl Farnham from Belgrave Road. In sport, world number one tennis superstar Novak Djokovic begins his Wimbledon campaign this afternoon when he faces the German Florian Mayer on centre court in tennis. 08459 455 555. I need you to be my reporter. Have you tried to get a doctor's appointment outside of weekday work hours? And have you been successful? 08459 455 555. Coming up to 648, here's the weather with Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
good morning. Well, we had some clear spells overnight last night, so that has led to a little bit of sunshine this morning. Now, we have got quite a lot of cloud also down towards the West Hertfordshire area. It's fairly cloudy down there, but out towards Luton, the sun is uh, peaking through at the moment. It's going to come and go through the course of the day. Some sunny spells mixed in with increasing cloud, but it's certainly going to feel that little bit warmer again. We're looking at a maximum later of 20 Celsius, 68 degrees in Fahrenheit. Now, there is a slight risk, but it is only very slight that you may get one or two isolated light showers later but to be honest you're going to be very unlucky to catch them most places will have an entirely dry day now overnight tonight we're hanging on to the clouds some clear spells mixed in there as well which means one or two mist and fog patches likely to develop in the more prone spots the rural locations where we do get a bit of mist and fog minimum temperature just sneaking below double figures nine celsius 48 degrees in fahrenheit now tomorrow we wake up to a very similar day to today some sunshine but increasing cloud but again temperatures slowly rising 20 celsius uh, the maximum for tomorrow running the risk of an isolated shower and that's really how it goes for the next couple of days and then for friday we may see a little bit of rain and drizzle but the good news is we are hanging on to these temperatures staying around the low 20s that's your forecast kate do you do requests <laughs> what for good weather well uh, uh, kelly betts who's uh, a member of my in inverted commas team has got a question kelly you're through to kate kinsella oh, oh hi good morning kate just Good wondering morning. what the weather will be like in Worthy Farm this weekend for Glastonbury. It's ooh, it's difficult talking about Glastonbury, but it could be worse. It's actually at the moment, because obviously this changes um, quite quickly, uh, but it's actually not looking too bad, at least for the first couple of days with some sunshine, and it's certainly going to feel quite warm. There we go, Kate. Thank, thank, thank you very, very much. For the first couple of days. The, l- the last one's updated tomorrow. The last one's <laughs> going to be a stinker, is what you're hinting at. No, I'm not hinting anything. I will talk to you more tomorrow. Kate, thank you very much indeed. And Kelly Betts, thank you so much for really relating with our core audience. There. Much appreciated. Every weekday from three, Roberto Peroni. The bosses of a Milton Keynes lorry driver who died after falling asleep at the wheel have been found guilty of manslaughter with the best local news stories. At the moment, Christmas in Luton is at risk. We'll do our best. We'll work with the, the business community and other sponsors to fund the Christmas lights. The best local travel. Multi-vehicle crash on the M1 northbound just as you come from the M25. It's going to get busy. Three cars involved with the best local talking points. Because I was born female, that was my first sin if you like and I don't think I've ever been forgiven for it. Roberto Peroni weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio It's the theme tune from the Wonder Years Uh, So have you tried to get an appointment with your doctor outside of normal weekday work hours we just spoke to a doctor there, Dr Uh, Mike, who who says that a lot of surgeries do allow you to do that I'm sure he does but Seriously, if I phone up my surgery now, can I get an appointment Saturday morning, about about ten, half ten, to see the doctor? I'd be giving short shrift. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. You are my reporter this morning, dear listener. There's no money involved, and there's not much of a pension plan, but you'll you'll get my respect. It's, you know, worth something in it. What would you do if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Lend me your ears and I'll sing you a song. I will try not to sing out of key. Oh, baby, how do you? Oh, I need a 
Google. No, steady on. I Googled the kid from the Wonder Years to see what he looks like now. But I Googled the wrong kid. Instead, I Googled... Must stop saying I Googled a kid. I Googled the boy from Malcolm in the Middle. I just Googled Malcolm in the Middle, right? And then I Googled what Malcolm in the Middle looks like now. I've sent them to you. We'll put them on the face, but nothing to do with the Wonder Years. Got the wrong programme. Oh boy, Malcolm in the Middle has not aged well at all. Ouch! Wowzers. Go and have a look. Frankie Muniz. He's not aged well at all. That mohawk does not sort to suit Malcolm. Right. Got a couple of callers. Dennis is in Dunstable. Morning, Dennis. Good morning. Steve's in Dunstable. Morning, Steve. Morning. Steve, if you look out of your window, can you see Dennis... Yeah, yeah, of course we can. Dennis, wave to Steve. <laughs> Hello, Steve. <laughs> Hello, Dennis. What have you called him for, Dennis? I'm not called him, you call me. Oh, I tell you what, actually, here's an idea, Dennis. Yes? Why don't, I, I'm a bit bored, why don't you talk to Steve? Hello, Steve. Hello. What do you think about our lovely little town, honestly? What, Luton? No, not Luton, Dunstable. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, it needs some money and investment, doesn't it? Well, yes, it'd be nice if those lorries didn't pass straight through Dunstable without delivering something. Well, it would be nice, wouldn't it? Well, we've left with commuters and low wages. Well, that's right. It's, it's <laughs> all the empty shops money. now. Why do you expect them looting anyway? Sorry? It's better than looting anyway. Well, yes, because I moved out of looting. <laughs> I don't blame you. For that same reason. 
<laughs> yeah, we know what we're talking about then, don't we? <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. No, I came up here because I'd realised that the Romans fought the way through here to get to Chester, so I thought that must be a nice place if they fought the way through. But now it's just as bad. We have to fight our way through to get anywhere. Dennis, Dennis, Dennis yeah. and Steve, you're killing my show here. I'm I thought very this was, sorry. No, sorry. I thought this sorry. would be an excellent opportunity to get a little insight into your tiny minds. Yes. I can no, I can literally hear radios clicking off or t- retuning into heart all over the three counties. Well, that's not my fault. You rang me. I know, and we're, we're going to delete your telephone number from our system. <laughs> Stephen, have you ever tried? <laughs> to get, um, you rang us actually, a cheeky monkey. Have you, Steve? Have you ever tried yeah. to get a, a doctor's surgery appointment out of hours? Um, very rarely, but when when I have, if I'm that seriously ill, I'll go to the go to the hospital. But mm-hmm. you can get out of hours appointment. But you could. You well, could do you think, Dennis, you could get an appointment if I phone up my doctor's surgery? Can I have an appointment ten thirty on Saturday, please? Do, do you think they'd actually allow that? Doubt it, unless it was something very, very urgent. Yes, yes, exactly. You say I, 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 it would be good, wouldn't it, if we had a twenty-four hour seven doctors? People, well, I work a silly job, so I can go to the doctors in the afternoon. I uh, take the morning off. I don't care. Sue me. But people who've got proper jobs, they can't do that, can they? Yeah, but if they look after themselves, would they go to the doctors? Would they? What Sorry? do you keep bashing the doctors for? Sorry. What do you keep bashing the doctors for? At the end of the day, if you look after yourself, keep exercise, eat properly. You won't need to keep going to the doctors, will you? You won't need to moan about them. Self-discipline. Self-look after yourself. Self-look after yourself. How much exercise do you do, Stephen? Hold on, I can't hear a word you just said. There you go. Go to the doctors. Get your ears syringed. (laughs) You muppet, for goodness sakes. Dennis and Stephen both in Dunstable. And to be honest, Dunstable, if that's the best you you can offer us, there's not much hope for you, is there? Oh, we don't want Texas. No one wants Texas. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Charlene Spiteri might want Texas. Yeah, she can she keep them. the only one. <laughs> OK. M25 anti-clockwise. You've got heavy traffic between Waltham Abbey and Enfield coming into the roadworks. As you continue round anti-clockwise, it's slow from the M1 at Junction 21. Round to Watford at Junction 19. Speed sensors taking, suggesting it's taking about 10 or 15 minutes to get through the traffic there. And then it's also slow from Maple Cross to the M40 and down toward the M4 and Heathrow. If you're driving into London, the A1 along the Barnet Bypass southbound through Boreham Wood, you've got queues from Stirling Corner down toward Apex Corner. Cameras around there picking up a bit of a delay. Uh, speed sensor's not really picking up too much else at the minute. Things looking, well, reasonably good through Dunstable. The A5 just a little bit slow, mainly on the southbound side coming toward the A505 junctions and looking at the cameras on the A1M, it's running well as well. As for the trains and tubes, no disruption. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Coming up in the next hour, we'll have the latest on an initiative to educate young people about the dangers of carrying knives. 08459 455555. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. 
seven o'clock, I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines, MP calls for resignation of ambulance bosses, Wellin man charged with attempted abduction and knife crime charity reaches out in decorum. BBC Three Counties Radio. Five key members of the East of England Ambulance Service Trust are in the firing line after a report found weak leadership had put patients at risk. The Essex MP Pretty Patel is calling for the resignation of non-executive directors who she holds directly accountable. Gary Applin is the Ambulance Trust's Unison Branch Secretary and says his members have been put in a difficult position. As for somebody on the road, you just do the best for your patients. However, lack of resources, you know, and, and things like that, you know, they must have an effect in the long term on, on the lives of people. A murder inquiry has been launched following a shooting in Aylesbury. Thames Valley police officers found the body of a man in Belgrave Road at 10.45 on Sunday night. He's not been formally identified but is believed to be 44-year-old Daryl Farnham who lived there. A, for, a post-mortem is due to be carried out today on the body of an 11-year-old girl found dead in Bushy. Rebecca Thompson was found at her home address in Homefield Road on Saturday lunchtime. Gail Sanderson reports. Police are still waiting to question a 52-year-old man believed to be her father who was seriously injured in a car accident early on Saturday morning. He's in hospital. Rebecca was a pupil at Sacred Heart Primary in Bushy. Yesterday, her head teacher, Rita Cooper, described her as a lovely, hard-working girl who is looking forward to secondary school. A 29-year-old man's been charged with attempted abduction and possession of an offensive weapon following an incident in Welling Garden City last Thursday. 29-year-old Anthony Sullivan from Athelston Walk North in the town has been remanded in custody to appear before magistrates on September the 23rd. A jury will continue its deliberations today in the case of two care workers accused of neglecting 19 residents at a home in Buckinghamshire. 56-year-old Titulayo Ajala from Fishermead in Milton Keynes and 41-year-old Henrietta of Five from Derby deny the charge. It's alleged the managers of the Westlands home in Olney found the two workers asleep in August 2011. The residents' personal alarms had been disconnected. Family and friends of a 21-year-old murdered in Hemel Hempstead in 2011 are set to visit decorum schools to persuade pupils not to carry knives. The Billy's Wish charity was set up following the death of Billy Dove, who was stabbed while trying to break up a fight on a night out. Billy's father, Paul Dove, is overseeing the new education programme. It does get hard work at times because obviously you're not, you're not in a good place all the time and uh, but this picks you up, it picks me up. But the people who are doing this work with me have been absolutely superb. I can't fault them in any way. Uh, they're, they're driving me, not me driving them at the moment, they're driving me. In sport, Dan Lydiate will uh, captain the British and Irish Lions this morning against the Melbourne Rebels. It'll be their final midweek match of the tour and the Lions lead the series 1-0. The weather mostly dry with warm sunny spells and a top temperature of 20 degrees Celsius. That's 68 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. So I've got a quandary. Oh yes. Men swapping clothes. Yeah. You do it all the time, you girls, don't you? Yeah, all the time. Well, you uh, come on, you do. You, in fact, you, I'm not wearing the same clothes I came to work in. I know, <laughs> cheeky. Uh, luckily, you are wearing clothes today. It must be a Tuesday. Some, yeah. Uh, but but you girls always do. You go, oh, come, I must go and look what you've got in your wardrobe, Kath. Oh, could I borrow? <laughs> can I borrow that blouse? That would look great at Denise's um, christening uh, the party, hen party at the weekend. And oh, you always it's like you were there. You always. I've seen <laughs> films with women in, so I know exactly what happens. Right. Would you? Would your husband ever borrow a friend's? shirt or a pair of trousers the only thing i can see the only scenario in which i can see that that's acceptable is at the end of an international football game oh they swap shirts don't they they do but i don't think they give them back after they've washed them and worn them for a bit that's all sweaty as as well though i don't want bodily fluids being exchanged i just want to i just want justin dealey's shirt have you asked him yeah what did he say 
All right, girl, let's go have a cup of coffee, two sugars. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up between now and eight o'clock, including a new initiative was launched last night in Hertfordshire to promote knife crime awareness. Well, Justin Dealey was there. We'll have the latest on that in a few minutes. Plans are being proposed that would change when you could visit your doctor. Would you be able, would you like to be able to see your GP at the weekend? Maybe you're able to already. And you heard me talking to Kath there. I've got a slight conundrum. I like the shirt that Justin Dealey is wearing, and it's possibly the first and only time he's going to wear it. He's just trying it out. Have a look at the picture of the shirt on facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Is it ever okay for men to share clothes? Give me a call, 08459 455555, or you can text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Put your name on it, please. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Dealey, we're going to be talking about shirts a little bit later on. OK, so no be, problem. Be we're going to something a little bit more serious now, so we'll come to you in a second, but we will be talking about shirts later. Slightly more serious, knife crime. You may remember that back in 2011, 21-year-old Billy Dove was fatally stabbed in the centre of Hemel Hempstead. He'd been out for a few drinks with his friends, and they were approached by a gang of people when the attack happened. Well, last night, an education programme was launched, and it's being used to promote knife crime awareness in primary and secondary school, uh, schools across the Hemel, Berkhamsted and Tring area areas. Well, Justin, you were at the launch last night. What what happened? It was indeed. It was um, very, very interesting actually. A fantastic turnout. The Kinsella family were there as well. What it is, Ian, it's a, a series of videos that will be shown in decorum in schools from September. Now, it's hoped that will be rolled out across the whole of Hertfordshire and then even further. Now, whilst I was there, I spoke to Billy's dad, Paul. He set up the charity Billy's Wish and I asked him just how far he and the Dove family will go to prevent knife crime just keep doing what we're doing uh it's gone fantastic so far uh just can't do any more to keep it going just keep going and going and going with it really end of the day and uh try and get into these kids not to carry knives and hopefully it, it goes from here to higher to higher to t- higher just like Kinsella's are doing at the moment and Damonola Taylor's mother Dorothy it's uh they're all trying hard to stop it and just every little bit helps really it's got to stop but the only way to stop is uh, a life for life. It's got to be a deterrent at the end of it. That's all I say is because nothing's going to change. It can only get worse. When you work very, very hard on this campaign, you work very hard on the videos. The videos have been designed so so children will look at them and actually take on board what's being said to them. Well, hopefully so, yeah, definitely. Uh, there's going to be a few that don't want to listen, are not interested in it, but hopefully the others can sort of put into them that it is important and uh, to get them on board because uh, it is a serious thing to carry a knife because uh, with a knife it does kill but the people who are doing this work with me have been absolutely superb I can't fault them in any way uh, they're, they're driving me not me driving them at the moment they're driving me uh, which is understandable often losing my child my love my life well my precious thing in my life uh, but we'll, we'll keep going never stop anyway it will never stop we will never stop campaigning against that, uh, knife crime ever and uh, that's one thing I can guarantee. Justin, you've um, uh, kind of been following the Doves for a while now, and you've, mm. you've spoken to Billy Dove's uh, family uh, several times, I know. 
It's only two years ago. How on earth do they cope with something like this? Well, Paul said to me that, that you can never come to terms with, with something like this. It's, every day is, is like living in hell. And it's, it's hard to, to understand what they're going through. You've got to admire the family because they're out there with the charity. They've got this new initiative, this new campaign, which is launching in September. They quite simply don't want anybody else to, to go through what they've been through. You speak to anybody who knew Bill. He was 21 years old. Everyone always says he was such a, a lovely lad. He wasn't even meant to be going out that night. It was a last-minute thing. He goes out onto, to the town centre in Hemel, and he's stabbed to death. And as somebody who lives in Hemel, it's, again, it's hard to come to terms with because you think, how can that happen in your town? An innocent lad going out for a drink with his friends and he never comes back. Personally, I think the family are absolutely fantastic and they're trying to make a difference. This scheme, of course, will be going into schools from September, in decorum, Hertfordshire, hopefully, and then hopefully the whole of the UK. They're just trying to, to tell children about the dangers of carrying a knife and what the consequences might be. Justin, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. 21, just a kid. I, I, I know it sounds patronising, but 21 is just a boy. Very, very sad. Well, to find out more, I'm joined now by Chris Preddy, who's from the charity Make Dreams a Reality, an organisation which educates teens about the effects and dangers of gun and knife crime. Uh, Chris, how important is it to educate children from an early age about knife crime? I think it's very, very important. And just the fact of what Billy's wish and the fact of what the family are going through, I feel like anybody can sympathise and anybody can understand what they're actually going through. And I think it's a great initiative and I can't wait for it to actually get rolled out in September and I will be pushing it as well with them to get it out into the UK. You're, uh, you present, I believe, some of the videos uh, I- I- involved in the, the, the Billy Wish project. What, explain to me what people are going to be seeing. What's involved in these videos? What's been most involved in these, most of these videos is near enough the harsh fact of the reality of what happens with knife and gun crime. And it is, it is very impact and you do get to see sort of the message of what happens when you carry a knife or what happens when, you know, you could be peer-pressured by your friends. Your friends are saying stuff like, you know, let's go down to the park, there's going to be a fight tonight, bring a knife. It's just things like that and kids that are getting peer-pressured and some of them don't know who to turn to, who to talk to, what organisation to go to. So it's about giving them a safe adult, giving them the safe organisation to go to for them to actually feel safe in the community. I don't want to sound all cynical, Chris. Is, it, is this going to have any effect, do you think? How, one, what, how do you get this message across without sounding like, you know, some old fart in a suit? Or, you know, do you know what I mean? The, the young people, 12, 11, 13, 14, they, listen, they, they think people in their 20s are old and, and don't listen to them. How are you going to get that message across without, without sounding like, you know, some boring old so-and-so? Well, this is, this is what's perfect about the scheme. Obviously, the, the DVD will be watched by the young people. The young people are able to pause the, all, of the, um, all the films um, whenever they like, to have a discussion, to have a debate in their classrooms, in the, the comfort of um, a teacher, um, in, a, in the comfort of um, whether it's an organisation. But it's a safe place where young people can be able to talk about what goes on in life and real life and be able to actually um, address it and attack it when, you know, when it needs to be attacked. You yourself, uh, you, you can be an inspirational role model to, to young people because you were involved in gang culture and you managed to escape. Just give us a little bit of your backstory, Chris, and how, how you did manage to, to turn it around. 
I've grew up in a block council estate um, from North London, and um, yeah, it's very hard. You got to imagine if you're growing up in a certain environment, a lot of young people are naturally going to gravitate towards that environment, and it's about being able to educate our children to know what is right and what is wrong. And I feel sometimes with a lot of these young people, they're starting to get to a stage where what wrong is more right. So if you're smoking a cigarette, that's wrong. But if you're holding a knife, that's wrong as well. So what wrong is more right? And I think that's what a lot of the kids are starting to And do. where does that come from, Chris? Is that from films? Is that from the parents? Is that from the peer pressure? Where is that coming from? I think it's an open collective thing, but I definitely know it's coming from films. I definitely think the games have got a big part to play for it. I definitely think some of these rappers have got a part to play for it. I definitely said to them um, at the event yesterday that the parents have got a big part to play with it you know if you're coming if your child's coming home you need to be checking their bags you need to be checking their lifestyle and you know not like checking them rigorously like you're the police but at the same time just making a sense of you know you're interested in what your child does you're interested in what your child's doing instead of just like letting your child go out and you don't know what he's doing or where he is so it's about all of us coming together as a collective the police the youth workers the schools and it's not a one-person job it's i think it's something that we all have to come together and stamp it out but it's never going to happen. Chris, are you optimistic for the future? Definitely. You think we can turn this around? Because it's pretty rubbish Definitely. at the moment, isn't it? Definitely it is. But I, I, I thought we can. Um, Billy, um, Brooke and Della, I think everybody's gone through a lot of deal. I've lost my brother as well when I was 16. So everyone's gone through a deal where, you know, we've lost loved ones and we know what it's like to fall to lose loved ones. But if we can keep pushing the message... It's just going to create more of a bigger ripple, and before you know it, we'll be creating waves. Good luck, Chris. Thank you very much. Cheers. Chris Preddy from the uh, charity Make Dreams a Reality, an organisation which educates teens about the effects and dangers of knife crime. It's, it, the, the thing is, how do you get that message across? If, if I, hey, if I was to go to a school and say, kids, hey, kids, don't use knives. They're going to listen to me. I'm 40. Some old bloke, sometimes in a suit... I'd dress down, I'd wear my ripped jeans, of course, to try and look here, but even they can smell through that. Uh, I, I, you know, I hope it works, because things are a little bit of a mess at the moment. We'll have a bit more on that uh, a little bit later on in the show. If you want to talk about that or any of the other things we're discussing this morning, 08459 455 555. I've yet to get a phone call from someone who says they've been able to get a, a doctor's appointment, an appointment outside of normal weekday working hours. A proper appointment where you go to your doctor's surgery and you, I don't know, what, what do you do these days? You take a ticket in some places or they flash your number up on a, on a screen or something like that. Um, there are plans afoot to make doctor's surgeries open longer. Later at night and at weekends. If you've got a proper job, by proper, what does that mean these days? Well, let's, let's assume it still means a nine-to-five weekday job. Getting to the doctors means taking the morning off or taking the afternoon off or, or, or leaving a couple of hours early. Not always doable. Not possible for lots of people. Would you like to be able to see your doctor, what, half past seven on a Wednesday night? 10.30 on a Saturday morning? Maybe two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon? 08459 555555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Quite slow on the M25 at the moment. It's looking busy in patches. First off into the roadwork section, Waltham Abbey to Enfield. It's looking slow as you approach the 50 mile an hour speed restriction. Then as you come through that, past the M1 at Junction 21, round to Watford at Junction 19, there are delays of about 10 or 15 minutes. And from Maple Cross, the M40 looking slow as well. 
Barnet Way, the A1, as you come in through Boreham Wood and down toward London, Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus, traffic is slowly building along there. Speed sensors are not showing too much else going on at the minute. Things are looking clear on the M1, the A1M and on the M40. And things seem to be running well on the A5 and A6 so far. As for the trains and tubes, we haven't had any issues reported. Departure boards are still looking pretty healthy with no delays or disruption. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. Right, 7.16, it's Tuesday the 25th of June. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. An MP is calling for five key members of the East of England Ambulance Trust to lose their jobs after a report found weak leadership had put patients at risk. A post-mortem will be carried out today on the body of 11-year-old Rachel Thompson, who was found dead at her home in Bushy on Saturday. In sport, Novak Djokovic and defending women's champion Serena Williams play their first-round matches at Wimbledon today, as do Laura Robson, what, from Bird to a Feather, Heather Watson and Tara Moore. Coming up, we'll talk more about the East of England Ambulance Service Trust. Some board, board members may have to resign. BBC Three Counties Radio. got a problem with a company, a council or an organisation, there's one man you should come and speak to. You've got a problem with a mattress, I gather. Tell me all about it without naming any company name. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Well, every time she tried to book, the trip was cancelled because of adverse weather. The JVS show fights for your rights and tackles your consumer problems. Just send the receipt off and you'll get the cheque in the post. If you need our help... I went to speak to the man that runs this golf club. Email jvsshow at BBC. I'm just very pleased that you've got the money. And we could do the same for you. Thanks ever so much, Jonathan. The JVS Show on BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's have a look at the front pages of the newspaper, shall we? The Independent. Nadal crashes out in first round. A tennis player lost a tennis match yesterday, guys. I don't know if you knew that, uh, but it happened. Deal with it. Day one of Wimbledon, I saw zero tennis. Feel like I'm winning so far. I'm in the lead. Um, and also on the independent, uh, I feel I've been hung out to dry. Exclusive former regulator accused of covering up report into baby deaths breaks her silence and pledges to clear her name. The former head of the CQC, the Care Quality Commission, has denied conspiring to suppress a report into a flawed inspection of an, H- of an NHS trust, claiming the investigation that blamed her was against natural justice. Uh, the Guardian. A man has lost a tennis match. Whoop-dee-doo. Nice watch. Um, Yard spied on critics of police corruption. Exclusive political campaigns against Met targeted by undercover officers. Scotland Yard deployed undercover officers in political groups that sought to uncover corruption in the Metropolitan Police and campaign for justice for people who died in custody. The Guardian can reveal. Hey, What? The more I hear about the police at the moment, the more I'm thinking, I'm not sure if I completely trust them. I don't know if I do. We'll be talking about the whole Stephen Lawrence uh, thing in a, a few minutes. I call it a thing because what's been revealed the last couple of days is, is, is just incredible. The allegations that a police officer was employed to spy on the family of Stephen Lawrence to discredit them. Hey, yeah, you know your son's just been murdered. Well, we're going to spy on you to discredit you. And now the Guardian implying or saying that uh, the Yard uh, have also spied on critics of police corruption. Quick question. Do you trust your police? We've had this. 
Hillsborough, do you trust your police? 08459 455 555. Quick question, just throw that out there. Say no more on it, but if, do you trust your police, yes or no? You can text as well, 81333, start your text 3CR. The Times, doctors spurn call for longer NHS hours. Plans for weekend surgeries condemned as folly. Well, the doctor that we had on earlier said that his surgery and other surgeries already provide a weekend appointment service. Do they? A minority might. Doctors' leaders were accused of ignoring the wishes of patients yesterday by mocking plans for more NHS services at evenings and weekends. And look, a man has lost a tennis match. We'll do the Express, the Mail and the Sun uh, a little bit later on. On the subject we've been uh, talking about, Billy's Wish, a, a, a campaign, an education campaign to help educate young people about the dangers of knife crime, we've got Maria in Offley. Morning, Maria. Good morning. What, what do you think about this? Well, I think we could get a flag day on this and, and advertise it more. A flag this is what day? It wants. All around the shops, around the towns. Uh, Something's got to be done urgently because young oh. lives are going and it's not on. What do you mean by a flag day? Well, adver- so we can advertise it more. Well, ab- advertise what? That knives are bad? Or yes. the, yeah, yeah. Do you think that it needs something? It does need something, Maria. Uh, it does need something. Do you think that a flag day is going to stop some fourteen-year-old um, d- degenerate who's you know who his parents don't listen to him, who feels rejected by society, who feels excluded, who feels there's no hope? <laughs> is a flag day going to stop him putting a knife well, in his pocket? Well, it might give them hope that that they will stop it if there's something doing with in the knives that they're using yeah i just don't i i I appreciate your sentiment maria i just wonder if that is enough to give hope a lot of these uh, some of these kids are carrying knives because they feel they ought to and they want to be in but i would imagine that some of them are carrying knives because they 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 just feel there is no future for them their life is too bleak they they, they don't they think they're not going to get a job they think that the politicians don't listen to them that society doesn't listen to them a flag day would, would that change their minds well, it could do. It might be something to, you know, make them think. Uh, Maria? We've got to do something. We have got to do something. Thank you very much indeed. We, we have got to do something. I, 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 don't, I don't quite know what a flag day is. Um, but I, I, is that really enough? 08459 455 555. Now, onto the subject of uh, uh, the police and your trust for them. I'm asking the question, do you trust the police? Hillsborough? Stephen Lawrence? Do you trust the police? Simple question. 81333. Start your text 3CR. 08459-455-555. A former top police officer says the Home Secretary isn't doing enough to investigate allegations that police tried to smear the family of Stephen Lawrence, the black teenager murdered in a racist attack in South London 20 years ago. Theresa May says the Independent Police Complaints Commission will look into the complaints. Uh, But Brian Paddock, a former Deputy Assistant Commissioner for the Metropolitan Police and a Liberal Democrat, is not impressed. All Theresa May seems to have done is say, oh, another set of allegations will feed them into existing inquiries. Um, And that, for me, is not good enough. We need a laser-focused investigation to come up with answers quickly to try and prevent further damage to the reputation of the police. Well, Bernard Ricks from Bedfordshire is an advisor to the police and has written several reports for the Home Office on policing. He joins me now. Bernard, do you trust the police? I I do trust the police, Ian. The um, 
allegations, or rather the the uh, statements that have emerged recently, relate to matters 20 years ago. Um, the uh, It's right that the Home Secretary uh, initiates uh, activities that look again at the um, what happened all those years ago. Uh, and it's right that we keep a, a forensic eye on what the police are up to these days. So I do trust the police. Uh, I think in any um, line of work there are uh, individuals who don't do what they're supposed to, but by far the vast majority of police are trustworthy. Where could something like this have come from? You're not suggesting that the, the, the gentleman whose name escapes me, who, who has come out as, as saying he was asked to, to, to spy on the Lawrence family, is behind this. This came from someone higher up, didn't it? Well, it was a Channel 4 instigated, uh, investigation that um, disclosed what uh, has happened, and um, a whistleblower, another whistleblower, um, uh, reported on what had happened to him and the activities that he'd been instructed to undertake uh, those 20 or so years ago. Um, what, what for me is most important about this, uh, aside from the continuing distress it's causing the Lawrences, is um, what it teaches us about what should happen today. And uh, it does mean that um, those that we elect, uh, police and crime commissioners, need to keep a very close watch on what's happening within their individual police forces. But I'm scratching my head to think... I remember the 90s thinking, hey, we've got everything sorted, but the racism has been knocked out of the police. This is a pretty decent society. I'm scratching my head to to, to think how anybody in a position of power in the police could think it was appropriate to try and discredit the family of a boy who'd been murdered. How could anyone in a position of authority think that was acceptable behaviour? Well, it's quite remarkable, isn't it? You and you and me both find it absolutely staggering, uh, and I think that's the the uh, sentiment from the over overwhelming majority of of, um, uh, of people. Um, clearly, somebody somewhere um, appears to have given the instruction to find a way of of, of covering uh, the Mets back of, of in some way protecting their reputation. Um, and in a manner that's that's wholly and completely misguided. Um, the the whistleblower who came out, um, he won't have been uh, acting uh, at his own uh, instigation. He will have received uh, commands from others further up the Met. Um, a, a key question is to find out who issued those instructions uh, and to to get to bottom, the bottom of this, although um, the inquiries that there have been previously have not discovered a, a, a shred of evidence uh, about this. So um, it, it is it's quite a remarkable case. We know that the police still use uh, undercover investigators to, to go deep undercover and infiltrate various groups to see what's going on. Uh, and in some ways, I guess that kind of has to be applauded. But we don't know that this kind of behaviour, this inappropriate behaviour, we, we don't know it's not still happening, do we? Well, the undercover work is important. It's, it's very important for um, working uh, to counter terrorism, for example. And, that, and for that reason, it, it will absolutely continue and needs to continue. But there needs to be very careful checks and balances on that, not just from the uh, immediate... Um, uh, uh, senior officers, but, but also from an external scrutiny, and that's where, again, we have uh, we used to have police authorities and the like. We now have police and crime commissioners, and uh, in London, uh, the mayor's office for police and crime. Uh, and it's these bodies that need to also um, take a, a keen interest in what police are doing, and and the uh, independent police uh, complaints commission as well. Uh, 
uh, take a keen interest in what's happening. But I don't know if you've seen the front page of The Guardian, but there, there are more revelations. Peter Francis was the, the whistleblower uh, in regards to the Lawrence case. There's now talk of another undercover uh, copper, Mark Jenner, who was um, investigating, uh, told to spy on um, a black family whose relative had died in police custody. Uh, it- <laughs> With, with this, uh, with with the Lawrence revelations, with Hillsborough, people will be scratching their heads and wondering: Can they trust the police? Won't they? Well, each of those that you've mentioned is from twenty or so years yep. ago, and uh, if, as indeed it was concluded, there was institutional racism at the time, um, it's perhaps not surprising that uh, there were several instances, some of which are, are coming to light even now. Um, I don't think you can take from that, uh, what happened 20 or so years ago, a direct line that the police uh, are uh, remain uh, uh, behaving in that same way. I'm well, quite convinced that, that they're not. We're hearing stories. However, I, I, however we, still, we, still, we need to trust what our police do, and therefore it's absolutely vital that the police respond uh, to these allegations. And I think that comes out, if I may, in the... Um, met police's statement just a, a couple of days ago where they actually said um, that, and this is in the Met statement, at some point it will fall to this generation of police leaders to account for the actions of our predecessors. That's, that's an extract from what the, the Met police has said. That's a recognition that there were, um, that, that in the past things have gone wrong and it now falls to this generation of police leaders to demonstrate that police today are absolutely trustworthy. Uh, Bernard, uh, thank you very much. Bernard Ricks from Bedfordshire, advisor to the police. Um, Stephen Lawrence, Hillsborough, front page of this, uh, the garden. Let me just read a couple of paragraphs. Uh, Mark Jenner, an undercover officer, used the identity Mark Cassidy in the 1990s to penetrate the Colin Roach Centre, which was named after a 21-year-old black British man who died in the foyer of Stoke Newington. Revelations the other week, uh, GCHQ, no, slightly different from the police, it's still, a, you know, an authority organisation, uh, have been apparently been monitoring our phone calls and emails. Well, simple question. Do you trust the police? 08459 455 555. Let's just go through that again. Stephen Lawrence, front page of The Guardian today, more undercover work to discredit black families. Hillsborough, GCSA, GCHQ, what do I keep saying GCSE? GCHQ, monitoring our emails and our phone calls. Do you feel safe? Do you trust the police? 08459 455 555. You can send me a text. 81333. Start your text 3CR. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Roadworks in wing along Leighton Road, the A418. This is temporary traffic lights and then gas main work. It's continuing around Stukeley Road. I'm looking at the speed sensors and they're picking up a little bit of a delay this morning along the A418 as you come from Leighton Buzzard toward and through Wing and then off toward Wingrave. It's looking a bit busy. A41 on the sensors looking a little slow as well as you come out of Aylesbury and head toward Aston, Clinton and Tring. It's not a massive queue by any means but it's definitely looking busy. And don't forget there are some temporary traffic lights on the A41 near Berrylands. M25, you've got patches of traffic anti-clockwise. First off, it's slow from the M11 so back in Essex, Junction 27 through to Enfield at Junction 25 and then continuing through the roadworks past Potter's Bar and down toward the A1M. Starting to slow up a bit down toward the M25 on the A10 in Chesant as well. 
And then continuing on the M25 anti-clockwise, Maple Cross to the M40 is looking particularly busy as well. While into London on the A1, you've got a fair bit of a queue building through Boreham Wood along Barnet Bypass down from Stirling Corner toward Mill Hill Circus. Trains are still running nicely. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. News and sport now, Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Headlines: An MP is calling for five key members of the East of England Ambulance Trust to lose their jobs after a report found weak leadership had put patients at risk. A post-mortem will be carried out today on the body of 11-year-old Rachel Thompson, who was found dead at her home in Bushy on Saturday. And the man shot dead in Aylesbury on Sunday night has been named locally as 44-year-old Daryl Farnham from Belgrave Road. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Rafa Nadal has suffered his first ever first round Grand Slam defeat after being beaten in straight sets by the Belgian Steve Darcy. After two hours and 55 minutes, Steve Darcy has two match points. He only needs one. Steve Darcy of Belgium, 135 in the world, has knocked out Rafael Nadal. Novak Djokovic and defending women's champion Serena Williams play their first round matches at Wimbledon today, as do Laura Robson, Heather Watson, Tara Moore and Dave Rice from the Gosling Club in Wellin. He's playing along Sean Thornley in the doubles. The British and Irish Lions continue their tour of Australia when they take on the Melbourne Rebels at 10.40 this morning. Dan Lydiate will captain the Lions, who go into the game on the back of Saturday's first test victory over Australia in Brisbane. And football, MK Dons manager Carl Robinson believes his younger players will benefit most from the appointment of Gary Waddock as head of coaching. Waddock's arrival at Stadium MK plugs the gap left by Mick Hartford's departure as assistant manager earlier this month. And Robinson says Waddock will help develop the younger players. We wanted a change the the philosophy of the football club and having a head coach somebody who was controlling a lot of the coaching and did a lot of sort of working with the young players and trying to bring the young players through because we feel we've got a tremendous product of youth players and they've got to be guided right in between the ages of, of 17 through to 20. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at 8 o'clock. Call 08459 455 555 BBC Three Counties Radio Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Give us a call, 08459 455 555. Doctors, ambulance staff and police. Do you trust your police? In light of uh, recent revelations. But before that, the Moors murderer, Ian Brady, is expected to give evidence in person at a hearing to assess his mental health today. It'll be the first time he'll have spoken in public since he was sentenced in 1966. The 75-year-old wants to be transferred from a secure hospital to prison, where he hopes to be free to end his own life. Well, our reporter, Lisa Costello, has a bit more on this story. Uh, Lisa, this is a moment that Ian Brady's waited a long time for, isn't it? That's right, Ian, yes. Uh, Brady's really been pushing for this public hearing into his mental health since 2002. He believes very strongly he's not mentally ill and he wants to be transferred from hospital to prison. He's been held at Ashworth since 1985. As we all know, along with Myra Hindley, he killed five young people, burying them on Saddleworth Moor. But he insists he's not mentally ill and he's been on a partial hunger strike for some years now to make this point. Uh, His evidence comes at the end of of this hearing 
hearing and apart from a brief moment last Tuesday when he complained about having to listen to discussions of his mental health ad nauseum was the phrase he used today will be the first time he's spoken in public at length since appearing in court in Chester in the 60s to deny those child murders Dr David Holmes who's a criminal psychologist thinks that the impact from the appearance will be on the public psyche rather than the hearing I don't particularly think he's going to sway much opinion. What I think might be intriguing is if he can redefine the image of Ian Brady uh, in contrast with that earlier iconic, arrogant image with somebody who is now kind of less able to control, uh, less um, coherent and directed, somebody who's beginning to look frail and vulnerable. Lisa, the arguments at the tribunal so far around the state of his mental health, they've been quite complex, haven't they? They have. Uh, obviously, mental health, a very difficult and grey area for the law to deal with, it being so open to interpretation and nuance. Um, Brady's legal team argue uh, that he has a severe personality disorder, but crucially isn't mentally ill, and they say that that means he could be treated in prison rather than hospital. Ashworth have always maintained that Brady suffers from paranoid schizophrenia, and during the course of this hearing, they've produced witnesses who've uh, described behaviour that they say backs up their case. Uh, examples for instance of Brady jabbing a fellow patient with a pen and, and baring his teeth at, at the nurse who was trying to deal with it and spitting at him. Now Brady's team insists he doesn't have schizophrenia uh, that this severe personality do- disorder, something uh, called narcissistic personality disorder it, while serious isn't actually a mental illness as such and therefore he could be treated in prison rather than hospital. And, and his disdain for the uh, those in the medical profession has been pretty evident hasn't it? Yeah, it's there in the fact that he's refused medication and therapy uh, since 2000. It's also there in some of the treatment of medical professionals we've heard about during the course of this hearing. It's also there when you look at the transcripts of some of the things he's said under interview and assessment by doctors. Uh, one of the people called by Brady's legal team, especially a specialist in psychiatric nursing, uh, has said that he has a great abhorrence for psychiatry uh, and that uh, Brady has objected to what he he described as the pathologising of his behaviour. The specialist said it was something which uh, genuinely seemed to incense Ian Brady. Lisa, thanks very much indeed. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. So, front page of The Guardian, Yard spied on critics of police corruption. Turns out the 90s were as bad as the 70s. I remember being, thinking the 90s are pretty cool, thinking we've got everything sorted. Racism is under control. It's st- still a few bits and pieces, places where it's still there. Um, but, it, you know, the, 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 the police and various other organisations that were obviously racist in the 70s and 80s, that's been washed out. Well, looking back, it turns out the 90s were awful. Uh, corruption, uh, critics of police corruption were spied upon. The Stephen Lawrence family were spied upon to try and discredit them. Hey, yeah, I know your son's just been murdered, but we're going to spy on you to try and discredit you. Oh, and what did you find? Not a lot. We heard some rumours that maybe things weren't great in the household. Oh, is that is that the best you could do? Hillsborough was, was kind of revealed. The truth was finally revealed earlier this year. Do you trust the police? 08459 455 555. Dave's in Luton. Dave, do you trust the police? No. Tell me why. No, no, no. And not, I don't trust anybody, not even doctors. They've got some power 
into their brains that they can do what they like on you, couldn't give a monkey on you, or your family type of thing, uh, yet they can get away with it. I, I don't know what's going on because these people are in power, but they think they've got more power, more life, better than you. Are you surprised by any of these revelations about the police that have, have come out in the last few days? No, and I'll tell you what, there's going to be more. Uh, there's a lot of being hidden up, uh, not just now, but past. There's a lot to be... Uh, if we were to know everything, these papers wouldn't be, well, 40 pages deep. There would be about 140 pages, because there's so much going on in this town and country of um, police corruption, doctors. You know, you, you read it the other day, that a, doctor, um, a health chief offered a, a man whose baby died £3,000 to shut his mouth so yes. he wouldn't get into trouble. I read that story. You, ca- you, can't, you can't go to these people and talk and think, oh, I can trust him or I can trust her. You can't. Dave, thank you very much indeed. Sorry to cut you short there. We're going to squeeze in another call if we can. 08459 455 555. Well, Dave doesn't trust anybody. Some may suggest paranoia. Some might say healthy scepticism. Pat's in Houghton Regis. Pat, do you trust the police? Not at all, no. Why? Well, I mean, there's a couple of incidents I've I've reported, and uh, one of the incidents was seeing fly tipping. It was happening at that time with a police car going past. I rung up, and because they said... uh, You'd have to go back and get the registration plate of them doing it. And I was at work. I couldn't go back. I was, I was at work. And uh, so that was it. She said, I'll put the phone down on you then. That was the attitude I got from her. Then I went to a substation after an incident uh, with my vehicle. And she said to me, you don't think I'm going to um, do this at 9.30 at night. I, I go home at 10 and I'm not doing it in my own time. We close the substation at uh, 10 o'clock. And I'm thinking to myself, hang on a minute, is this a police, this is a police response to any crime that you get, you know, it's to their convenience, and that's what I don't like, it's the call centres, even the staff, I've had a second occasion where one of the staff members said, I'm going to put the phone down on you, after my wife was racially abused, and she was racially abused. And, uh, I mean, she was, if I say to you, she was called a white whore. Okay, steady on with your language, but yes, point taken. Uh, Well, no, you know, that's what... I know, but I just, just be aware we've got young ears, but I appreciate that. Thank you, go on. So, yeah, yeah, and, uh, you know, the response was, if you continue like this, I'm going to put the phone down on you. I don't want to know. And this is a call centre. So, you know, if you report something, you're trying to say how it is, how it went, and when things that were happening, if they don't like the tone of your voice or the way you're putting it across, and I wasn't swearing, then they will put the phone down on you. That's not policing to me. Pat, do any of these, these revelations uh, uh, that have come out in the last couple of days about um, uh, spying being done by the police, do any of this, does any of this surprise you? No, not at all. It is disgraceful. I mean, it doesn't surprise me because it seems like we have a police force now that responds to their own needs, their own kind of policing. They don't react to what the public want. And I think that's where the policing has gone wrong. So, well, what's interesting, what you're saying is, uh, we spoke to Bernard Ricks, who is an advisor to the police, and he said, look, all this stuff happened 20 years ago. It's fine now. But you're disagreeing with that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, even the police themselves. I'm not talking about the the bobby on the street. I mean, the bobby on the street wants to police the streets. That's what they want to do. That's what they're dying to do. But 
they're not allowed to do that. They're allowed to meet targets. They're, they've got to meet targets and uh, to respond to the public, that's got to come from higher up. And these people in these high positions, uh, some of them don't go through the colleges they have to train to be a police officer. They come from universities or, you know, these uh, like Cambridge, uh, and they just get put into these jobs. And I think that's where we're going wrong. We should have police chiefs that have come through the ranks so they understand what the public want. Pat, thank you very much indeed. There was, there was a category C word in there. Apologi- I, you weren't offended, I know, but I have to do my duty. Apologies if anybody was offended by that. It, it was it added a little colour to the story, uh, I, I think we could say. Well, what do you think? Do you trust the police? Front page of The Guardian, there's a new story about um, Yard spying on people that, that they didn't like. Not because they were crooks or anything. It's people they didn't like. Stephen Lawrence's family being spied on in an attempt to, um, well, make them look bad. Hillsborough, there's been a lot coming out. Do you trust the police? Simple question. 08459 455555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Having a look at the train departure boards, and we've got a couple of cancellations through Hartford North Station. The 810 service that should have been running up to Stevenage has been cancelled because of a train fault, and the 850, which I'm guessing would have been the return, has been cancelled as well. Everything else, though, running to time, and no other delays or disruption on the rails across the three counties this morning. Things on the tube still looking fine, too. Roadworks in wing, it looks like they might be causing delays. Certainly the speed sensors are picking up slow-moving traffic along the A418. It's looking a tad slow as you head from Leighton Buzzard through Wing and Wingrave toward Aylesbury. We've got some delays in Marlow. The A404 to and from the M40 is looking a little bit slow. In High Wycombe, things aren't looking too bad yet this morning, though. Of course, we will keep an eye on things. The M25, you've got patches of traffic. M11 to the A10 is looking slow, junction 27 to 25. 15 or 20 minute delays now from the M1 round to Watford, junction 21 to 19. And it's also very slow from Maple Cross to the M40. And in fact, it looks like it's starting to slow up onwards toward the M4 as well. Driving into London, the A1 through Boreham Wood. Queues from Stirling Corner down to Mill Hill Circus. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Right, 7.45, I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. An MP is calling for five key members of the East of England Ambulance Trust to lose their jobs after a report found weak leadership had put patients at risk. A post-mortem will be carried out today on the body of 11-year-old Rachel Thompson, who was found dead at her home in Bushy on Saturday. In sport, today at Wimbledon, Novak Djokovic and defending women's champion Serena Williams play their first-round matches. Coming up, you can hear why a packet of biscuits and a game of bingo ended horribly for a group of British tourists in Portugal. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, we've seen some sunshine this morning, some high clouds, so it's poking through that as well through parts of West Hertfordshire as we speak. But as we head through the morning, the cloud will start to increase. We're still going to get the sunny spells, though, and the cloud not quite as thick as it was yesterday, so we will see some rather hazy sunshine. And it's certainly going to feel just a little bit warmer than it did. We're looking at a maximum of around 20 Celsius. Now, we're running the risk of a very light, isolated chance, but most places won't see one, and it should stay completely dry. And if you're heading down to Wimbledon, it's the same for there to. Overnight we're hanging on to the cloud one or two breaks in that cloud could lead to a mist or fog patch first thing tomorrow morning with a minimum temperature down to 9 Celsius and the sun rises tomorrow to a similar day, just a little bit warmer with a maximum tomorrow of 20 Celsius That's your forecast. Thank you very much 
Every weekday from 12, Nick Coffer brings you Great guests Julian Clary Welcome to BBC Three Counties Radio Legendary Genesis guitarist Steve Hackett Supertramp frontman Roger Hodgson Carol Decker of Tapau fame joins me now Great conversations China in your hand is about the fragility of your dreams and that you should be careful what you wish for Something very addictive about making people laugh is standing on stage and every few seconds getting that hit of a, of a laugh Nick Coffer. Weekdays from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. So, listen, girls, you have it easy in life in so many ways. Mainly because you can just swap each other's clothes. Hey, Denise, I really like that blouse you've got in your wardrobe. I'd love to wear it for um, Tracy's party at the week. Yeah, fine, take it. And while, while you're there, why don't you take this scarf that I got from Claire's Accessories and also this brooch and uh, these slingbacks? Blokes, I don't know what that, I think it's a drink, isn't it? Blokes can't do that. You don't go around to a bloke's house and say, all right, Steve, let's have a look in your wardrobe. Hey, nice, nice trousers you got there, mate. Can I borrow those to go out to the pub at the weekend? You can't do it. And I don't think it's fair. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. The reason I don't think it's fair is because my, my colleague, Justin Dealey, is wearing an awesome shirt this morning. It's, it's the same colour. It's the green, green canvas colour. Looks like a tent. Doesn't suit him. Doesn't bring out the best of him at all. Makes him look old and chubby. Whereas I think it would make me look tall and slim and even more handsome. Justin Dealey. Hello, Ian. You well? I'm very, very well. <laughs> how's that? How's my... Sh- sorry, how's your shirt doing today? Yes, my, my shirt's doing very well. Haven't worn this shirt in probably about, what, two years or so, and... And um, today I was wearing it as a almost a trial. I thought, shall I throw this thing out? I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll wear it once more, and then I'll make my final decision. But, of course, you saw it this morning, and you want it big time, don't you? I do. I want you to give it to me big time, Justin. Yeah. <laughs> so you want to borrow my shirt? Yeah, I, I, I literally want to have the shirt off your back. Well, this all depends, OK, because I'm now in Luton Town Centre. We are taking this one to the streets. The big question of the day, yeah. is it ever acceptable for men to share clothes. Should I let you, Mr Ian Lee, borrow my green khaki shirt? If the people of Luton say yes, Ian, you can take it and do what you want with it. (laughs) Don't tempt me. (laughs) Now, let's let's just clear these rules up. Hmm. If they say yes, and good people of Luton do not let me down, is it Lenzies or Keepsies? Um, I'll probably say Lenzies slash Keepsies. You can keep it for a couple of weeks. I mean, at the weekend, you do your TV work. Of course, you're a bit of a big deal at the weekend. That's correct. Big star at the weekend. It'd be nice to see my shirt on TV. If not my face, at least my shirt. I tell you what, if if, uh, if you let me keep your shirt forever, I'll wear it this Saturday night on television. <laughs> Channel 5, no less. Button 5 on your telly. Let's see what the people of Luton have got to say. And as you know, when I go out, I never, ever put words into people's mouths. I just wouldn't do something like that. You're disgusted, aren't you? Mm. <laughs> Call 08459 455 555 BBC Three Counties Radio. It's true, at the weekend, big star, very big star. A group of British tourists who were playing bingo with a box of biscuits for first prize have been fined and given suspended jail sentences in Portugal for breaking the country's anti-gambling laws. Armed police, that means they had guns, raided the Yorkshire Tavern in Albufera on the Algarve on Friday night night after they were tipped off that expats and tourists were flouting the law. 26 tourists and the landlady were arrested. Some of those arrested had gone in the bar to watch a rugby league game and were charged with observing a crime. Despicable. Well, Carol Bradley is a journalist from Portugal News and tells me more. Uh, Carrie, what, was, what exactly was going on here? 
good morning. Well, these tourists and the landlady were in the bar having a game of bingo for a rugby league match and um, the the police came in, swooped, searched the, the establishment and took everyone in the bar down to the local police station where they were identified. They were notified to appear in court yesterday morning and after appearing in court they were in fact fined and uh, given a, a range of sentences, a range of fines and, and suspended prison terms. So let's clear up a few things. Were these police that, that swooped down on this boozer, uh, were they actually armed police? Not from what I've gathered, from speaking to the people okay. who were there, nobody's actually told me. that there, 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 there have been observers that say um, that they were armed, but this seems to be second-hand information. Okay. Those who were there did not say, um, actually they said they weren't armed. And so what sentences and fines have been imposed on these, these people? There's been a range of fines. Those who were simply um, there to enjoy a pint and to to watch a game of rugby who had no involvement whatsoever in the bingo, they were fined 150 euros plus a three-month suspended uh, jail sentence. The people who were actually playing bingo were fined a 300 euro fine and given a three-month suspended sentence. And the landlady was given a 700 euro fine and a four-month suspended sentence. And her business partner, Antonio Cardozo, was given a 500 euro fine plus a four-month suspended sentence. So let's just get this right. If they get caught doing this again, they could go to prison. I'm not quite sure that that would actually be the case. Um, if they were to be caught doing this again within the three, uh, four-month suspended sentence term, uh, the the implications could be more serious than what they would have been, um, for example, yesterday. What biscuits were they playing for, Carrie? Uh, very expensive ones, apparently. We don't have the brand. That, unfortunately, has remained a mystery. Okay. Um, it's a highly kept secret, but um, I do believe they were very nice biscuits and well worth the game. Let's be honest, the Continentals are bonkers, and I can say this because my wife is half Greek. In Greece, they have mental laws. Do you remember those plane spotters that, that um, were facing very long sentences because the Greeks have no concept of sad... Um, sorry, no, no concept of plane spotting? This sounds like a similar thing to that, Carrie. Does this kind of thing happen often in Portugal? We did have a similar incident um, in 2010 when a bar in a nearby village was closed down uh, because it was found the patrons within were betting on horses. However, uh, of this genre and this scale where 28 people have, have, have landed in court, um, particularly foreigners, for, for a game of bingo, this, this is unprecedented. However, the police have said that to, to have games um, of, of this nature, to, to which they consider gambling, to gamble in an establishment, you do need a license. And from uh, what they said in their statement, this, this, the Yorkshire Tavern did not have the, the appropriate licenses for that effect. I suppose some people could argue, Carrie, that if, if you're breaking the law in a country, um, tough, then you've got to abide by the, the laws and regulations and the punishments handed out. There are many observers who would agree with that. It's, uh, in, in that view, it's quite simple. You need a licence to, to be able to hold these games. Uh, this establishment did not have one, and even though the money exchange in hands was minimal, it was a nominal fee just to partake in the game and to be able to buy more biscuits for the next one. Um, it, it was, in fact, um, it, it is um, a, a lawbreaker. Uh, well, uh, Gary, listen, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much for uh, speaking to us. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Right, let's have a quick look at the uh, front pages of the... Uh, oh, I see. Yes, it is, definitely. Uh, the, the, we, we missed out... Thank you. We missed out three of the newspapers earlier on. Shall we have a look? Yes. Hey, a multi-millionaire prince is going out with a girl. Wow, that's the front page of the Z Express. New royal romance. Harry and Cressida are so much in love. And they can tell that because there is a picture of them not looking at each other. That's how they know. Pill to prevent breast cancer. This is a story that's uh, over quite a few of the uh, papers today. Drug slashes risk of disease for thousands. Half a million women at high risk of breast cancer could be offered a daily pill to stop them getting the uh, the devastating disease. And that, that apparently would also save uh, lots and lots of cash as well. So that's... Um, there are side effects. I heard this on Five Live this morning and a guy said, well, are there any, uh, are there any side effects to taking this pill? And said, yeah, you, you, you grow a lot of facial hair. But still, if it stops you getting breast cancer, then it's got to be, uh, it's got to be good. Uh, Daily Mail, what's your risk of getting breast cancer? Also, fury of Stephen's father, a father over revelation that police spies ran secret campaign to dig up dirt on the Lawrences. This betrayal of my family. Stephen Lawrence's father last night demanded a judge-led inquiry into an apparent police smear campaign against his family. Neville Lawrence, 71, said it was an unthinkable betrayal that Scotland Yard would mount a dirty tricks operation following his son's racist murder. Well, we're asking the question this morning, do you trust the police? Oh, wait, 459, 455, 555. There's the Stephen Lawrence case. There's the front page of The Guardian uh, that says that the police were spying on other people they didn't like. Not because they were crooks or anything. They just didn't like them. Hillsborough. It's changed my opinion on the police a lot the last six months. Do you trust them? Oh, wait, 459, 455, 555. Front page of The Sun. There's a girl in uh, her bra. Uh, also, baby killer mum's Lotto Joy. Fiend celebrates £10,000 win while on bail. Uh, 08459 455 555. You've been to the Facebook page as well. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Can men ever borrow each other's clothes? That's the question. There's a picture of Justin Dealey in his lovely uh, shirt and me admiring it from afar. Uh, Mark says, I borrowed a mate's shirt to get access into a nightclub... I gave it back to him once I got in. There's a story there, Mark. I'm not sure if I want to know it, but... Um, let's see what else we've got. Warren uh, says, Since the bike ride, you two, meaning myself and Justin, have become closer. Is this a bromance blossoming? No. No. Um, Drake says, I couldn't see Justine. His tan sort of blends in with the brown wall behind him. Um, oh, for goodness sakes. Then we've got, like, Ree and Ital and loads of other people just perving over JD. For goodness sakes, up close, he's nothing special. The only reason he looks so good is because we have to take 12 pictures, use the flash and Instagram it. In real life, he's flipping horrible. Um, What else have we got? Uh, Men sharing clothes, says Tim. Men know what other men do in their clothes, which is why it doesn't happen. What does that mean? Oh, Denise, for goodness sakes. OMG. Justin Dealey is a hottie. Where has he been all my life? I feel a new restraining order coming on. Four. Places left hand in crook of elbow and raises right foot. Oh, for goodness sakes. Why has no one said anything nice about how I look as well? I'm cute. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. You're a very handsome man, Ian. Thank you, Adam. Okay, no problem. Incidentally, all of these calls and texts, it's pure filth, isn't it? Utter filth. 
M25, anti-clockwise, you've got slow-moving traffic from the M11 round to the A10, through the roadworks is looking slow past Potter's Bar, and then you've got delays again from the M1 to Watford, about 15 or 20 minutes worth of traffic. Maple Cross to the M40, and down toward the M4, looking busy as well. The A404, Marlow to High Wycombe, looking busy. You've got delays on the A414 at the Park Street roundabout, it's looking a little slow in London Coney too. Everything along the A418 in Wing and Wingrave looking a little bit busy this morning. It could be the roadworks. Looks like a queue starting to build on the A6 southbound on the approach to Barton Le Clay just before you get to the bypass. Hitchin looking a little bit slow on the A602. And along the A1M, maybe the hint of a queue building as you go past Stevenage on the southbound side. It's also looking slow on the A414 in Hartford. Trains and tubes, though, running well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Last hour of the show. Do you trust the police? Simple question, yes or no, 08459 455555. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's 8 o'clock. I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines, East of England ambulance bosses under fire, Bucks care workers accused of sleeping on the job and knife crime charity reaches out in decorum. BBC Three Counties Radio. An MP is calling for the resignation of five key members of the East of England Ambulance Service Trust after an external review found that weak leadership and a lack of focus had put patients at risk. Simon Oxley has more. The Trust covers six counties, including Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire, and serves a total of six million people. Later this morning, the Conservative MP for Witham in Essex, Preeti Patel, will demand the resignation of five non-executive directors in a Commons debate. They are the Vice Chairman, Paul Remington, Caroline Bales, Phil Barlow, Anne Osborne and Margaret Stockham, who all get £6,000 a year each from taxpayers to hold the Trust to account. A murder inquiry has been launched following a shooting in Aylesbury. Thames Valley police officers found the body of a man in Belgrave Road at 10.45 on Sunday night. He's not been formally identified but is believed to be 44-year-old Daryl Farnham who lived at the house. A post-mortem is due to be carried out today on the body of an 11-year-old girl found dead in Bushy. Rebecca Thompson was found at her home address in Homefield Road on Saturday lunchtime, as Gail Sanderson reports. Police are still waiting to question a 52-year-old man believed to be her father who was seriously injured in a car accident early on Saturday morning. He's in hospital. Rebecca was a pupil at Sacred Heart Primary in Bushy. Yesterday, her head teacher Rita Cooper, described her as a lovely high working girl who is looking forward to secondary school. A jury will continue its deliberations today in the case of two care workers accused of neglecting 19 residents at a home in Buckinghamshire. 56-year-old Titilaya Ajala from Fishermead in Milton Keynes and 41-year-old Henrietta Afai from Derby deny the charges. It's alleged that the managers of the Westlands home in Olney found the two workers asleep in August 2011. The residents' personal alarms had been disconnected. The health service advisory body, NICE, says women with an increased risk of breast cancer should be offered medication to prevent the disease. It believes around half a million women in England and Wales could benefit from taking drugs like tamoxifen as an alternative to a mastectomy. A knife crime education programme will be rolled out in schools in Berkhamsted, Hemel and Tring from September. They'll be visited by representatives of Billy's Wish, a charity set up in memory of 21-year-old Billy Dove, who was fatally stabbed in Hemel Hempstead in 2011. His father, Paul Dove, says it's time to reach out. There's going to be a few who don't want to listen, who are not interested in it, but hopefully the others can sort of put into them that it is important and uh, to get them on board, because uh, it is a serious thing to carry a knife, because uh, with a knife, it does kill. 
Sport now and at Wimbledon today, Novak Djokovic, sorry, Djokovic and defending oh, world. Novak Djokovic and defending women's champion Serena Williams play their first round matches as do Laura Robson, Heather Watson, Tara Moore and Dave Rice from the Gosling Tennis Club in Wellin who's playing in the men's doubles. The weather mostly dry with warm sunny spells and a top temperature of 20 degrees Celsius that's 68 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Come on Tim. He's not in it anymore. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, guiding you through the next couple of weeks. We're gonna, I, I can make this a Wimbledon-free-ish experience. Although saying that, Justin Dealey has roped me in to go and play tennis with him in St Albans. I, it's going to be a painful and tedious experience that we'll record and make an interesting and fun package for you to listen to. Here every weekday morning between six and nine, coming up before JVS... A new initiative was launched last night in Hertfordshire to promote knife crime awareness. Well, Justin Dealey was there, and we will have the latest. Plans are being proposed that would change when you could visit your doctor. Would you like to be able to see your GP at the weekend? And in light of the recent revelations about the police monitoring Stephen Lawrence's family and other revelations on the front page of The Guardian this morning... Do you trust the police? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Talking about knife crime this morning, it's because a programme to teach children about the dangers of carrying knives has been launched in Hemel Hempstead. The anti-knife crime education programme will be taught in schools in the Hemel, Tring and Berkhamsted areas from September this year. It's the work of the charity Billy's Wish, set up in memory of Billy Dove, who was stabbed to death in Hemel in 2011. Well, Justin Dealey was at the launch last night. Justin, you spoke to Billy's family. You've also been speaking to the Kinsella family who were there. They lost their son to knife crime back in 2008, didn't they? Yeah, their, their son Ben, 2008, um, the age of uh, just 16, so even younger than Billy, of course, who was 21. I spoke to Billy's dad, Paul, and he said that every day for him and his family, it is a living hell. And quite simply, they don't want anybody else to suffer like they've been suffering for the last two years. And of course, that suffering will, will continue for them. The Kinsella family were there as well. I spoke to George Kinsella, and after watching the video, he says this latest initiative in decorum will save lives. I think they'll make a huge difference to uh, knife crime and uh, making young children and young adults aware of the dangers and consequences of knife crime. I think it's a really good idea that the Billy Dove Trust have come up with. You're very passionate. You're here. You travelled a long way to be here. So it shows that, that you're fully behind this campaign. We are, yes. Uh, we've worked with Paul and Tanya, you know, helping them and also brought children from this area down to see our exhibition. So long may our partnership continue, putting out the message about the dangers and consequences of knife crime and what it does to families and everyone around them. How do you come to terms with something like this he's lost his son at 21 you lost your son at 16 as a family how on earth can you ever come to terms with that i don't think you ever do i think it's something that you carry with you for the rest of your life i know i will and i'm sure 
Paul does as well. It's just uh, a terrible tragedy, and this is again what I say that the more people know how much it affects everybody um, around involved in the family and their friends, maybe they'll think again about carrying knives and the dangers of it. Well, that was George Kinsella, the father of Mercer teenager Ben Kinsella, speaking to our reporter Justin Dilley. Joined now by Alison Room Gifford, who is Assistant Chief Constable with Hertfordshire Police. Uh, good morning, Alison. Do you think this programme for educating children about knife crime is a good idea? I do, Ian. It's, uh, it's something really, really positive. It's a very ambitious preventative campaign, basically, about educating young people, mostly between sort of 12 and, and 17, uh, around the dangers of um, carrying knives and what could happen if you were to be involved in knife crime. But, but better than that, it's giving them um, somewhere to go. If they want to talk to a safe adult, it's giving them um, uh, confidential lines um, and and really giving them the tools to actually deal with concerns, any problems, any information that they have. So, so yeah, I'm really, really, um, we're really pleased to be involved in the in the campaign. We support it wholeheartedly, and I do think it will make a difference. Yeah. Alison, tell me more about these these lines. Who, who, how, when are they open, and who will they be speaking to? Um, well, it's um, uh, an organisation called Fearless.org. Um, they are part of uh, Crime Stoppers, effectively Crime Stoppers for young people. Uh, but one of the issues around uh, that the, the campaign is trying to highlight is if you have information, if you think something bad's going to happen, um, it's about what you could do with that information, who you might be able to go to in terms of a safe adult, if you don't want to talk to your parents, where else you might go. Um, and, as I say, a, a way of actually giving uh, completely anonymous, anonymous information about um, something um, something bad that young people think might happen, someone carrying a knife. And really, you know, if we can prevent one Billy Dove, one Ben Kinsella, it will, this programme will be a huge success. Oh, yeah. I mean, 21-year-olds I mean, uh, and 16-year-olds being stabbed to death is, is, is tragic. They are just kids, you know, and it, it is ridiculous. My fear is, though, Alison, that the, the DVDs being shown in schools... I mean, this is me being completely cynical, and uh, maybe this is inappropriate, but DVDs being shown in schools by teachers are 13, 14, 15-year-olds that, that could potentially be involved in knife crime. Are they actually going to listen I think the way the DVDs have been put together, I think the involvement of um, Billy Dove's family, I think they are very impactive. I think they do make people stop and think. This isn't a... It's not a finger-wagging. This is about... These are the choices you have, and these are the consequences. And what we do know is that, you know, um, a, a, a percentage of the murders that happen across the UK involve knives. What we do know is young people start carrying knives, uh, mostly between the ages of about 14 to 17. It's knives being out there and being accessible that creates the problem. It's, you know, Billy Dove was, was killed because someone chose to carry a knife. Mm. Alison, uh, appreciate your time. Alison uh, Room Gifford, Assistant Chief Constable from Hertfordshire Police. Uh, we can talk now to Tyler Smith, who is the nephew of Billy and uh, is also uh, a close friend. Morning, Tyler. Hello, how's it going? Yeah, yeah, good to talk to you. Thanks for coming on. You've, you've taken part in these videos, I believe. Yeah, I have, yeah. What's, what's been your involvement? Um, just talking about the consequences of knife crime and trying to get a point across to all the young kids out there that you don't have to do it. It's, it's not peer pressure. You've got to think about the actions, um, the consequences of what's going to happen in your family, the victim's family, and just really the consequences of carrying a knife. Just that one moment can affect so many people. How has Billy's death affected you, Tyler? When, when did you find out that he'd been murdered? Um, I found out, like, 
uh, not long afterwards, a couple of hours after the accident happened, or the incident happened. Um, and it's just affected the whole family, really. It's uh, seeing my mum cry, seeing my nan cry, seeing his dad cry. It's just got, you've just got to try and, everyone's got to try and come together. How old are you, Ty, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 17. 17, so you, you what, about 15 when it happened? Um, I think, I was, I was 16. 16 when it happened? Yeah. How do you cope as a 16-year-old? Thank God I never had to go through anything like this. How did you cope as a 16-year-old losing a cousin and a really good um, mate to something as stupid as this? Uh, basically, it's just his friends and the family I have around me. It's, I'm, I'm grateful for all his friends being there. Everyone stuck together and just pulled through, really. And how does it affect you now? How, how do you feel now about the whole thing? Like, I've lost a brother. I'm not just a, just a sort of friend and a cut like, I'm his, I'm his nephew, but I've lost a, he was like my older brother. So I, it's like every day I think about it every day, but I know that he wouldn't want us to be upset, so you've just got to try and get on with life and just uh, remember him in all, in all the good ways. Mm. And uh, it, it is amazing that out of, you know, this, this terrible tragedy, the whole family have pulled together to uh, uh, try and make a difference. Do you think that, that having projects like the football team and, and uh, projects like this have really helped the family? Yeah, definitely. Because, like, at the end of the football team, we, all, of, all of his friends see each other every day. So. And what's your message to, uh, to, to other young people out there who, who might be involved in knife crime or might have friends or brothers and sisters that are involved in knife crime? What would you say to them, Tyler? Think about your actions think about consequences thanks for coming on the air this morning no worries thank you tyler smith uh, billy dove's nephew and friend i think i called him a cousin at some point there he's, he's his nephew and his friend oh dear well it does make you think doesn't it oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the phone number if you want to give us a call uh, about that going off on a slight tangent we're talking um about the police and do you trust the uh, police after the revelations about the Stephen Lawrence family being investigated there's the front page of the Guardian um, Yard spied on critics of police corruption there was Hillsborough that, that came out the truth finally came out after was it 25 years of lies some texts here 81333 starting the text 3C I'm asking do you trust the police Liam in Bedfordshire the police are public servants and when it's when the state asks them to work against us that we can't trust them they should uphold the common law why not spend time fighting crime rather than digging up dirt well that's certainly one of the uh, the things that's been said instead of sending this this copper to uh, spy on the Stephen Lawrence family why didn't they send him to try and find out who murdered him misplaced resources perhaps Nick says, it's not the police we should mistrust, but their masters, namely the people in the corridors of power. They make decisions that they know wouldn't be acceptable and hide behind each other when they're found out. Thank heavens for whistleblowers that do speak out. Helen and Milton Keynes, you're confusing government-controlled GCHQ with police-run undercover operations. Yeah, I know, I, I, I was slightly fudging the boundaries earlier on when I brought in the GCHQ spying on us, uh, uh, Helen. I, I, if I, did, I think I made that clear. If I didn't, I do apologise. But, she continues, the key point is someone instructed both organisations to spy on, discredit victims of crime and people who expressed opinions not in tune with the government of the day. There are a lot of rotten apples in both organisations 20-plus years ago. This needs to be exposed. Rank-and-file officers did not go rogue. They were ordered to do these things. Again, who gave the orders? Overall, I trust today's police more than in the past. Well, I trust them more than in the past, but I trusted them 20 years ago. Was I an idiot for trusting the, trusting the police? 
in the early mid-90s. I trust them now, but, but in 20 years' time, are we going to get another story about coppers in 2013 doing stuff that we think is inappropriate? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Do you trust the police? Travel news for beds, hearts, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Speed sensors are definitely picking up more delays now. The A414 through Hartford is looking particularly slow as you come up toward the junction with the Ware Road and as you go past two stations. Now, things looking reasonably good on the A10 until you get down toward Chesant and then it slows up toward the M25 and the sensors are also picking up delays then as you continue down into London through Enfield. Southbound from Bullsmore Lane to Southbury Road down the A10 looks like there's quite a queue building. Uh, across toward Bishop Stalkford, the A120 through Little Haddam, the eastbound side looking slow westbound a little bit busy as well you've got queues not massive ones on the a1m from stevenage to hitchin uh, hitchin itself actually looking quite busy on the a505 and on the a602 things not looking too bad on the a1 this morning black cat roundabout looks like we might have a little bit of traffic building up there but certainly not as bad as some days uh, to and from milton Keynes, things looking clear the a418 from leighton buzzard down toward aylesbury through wing and wingrave though is definitely looking busy as is the a405 a404 rather uh, to and from high wickham and marlow and then the m25 delays m11 to the a10 and you've got well pretty much one solid queue from watford down to the m40 it's all very slow moving traffic there adam glynn bbc three counties radio Thank you, Adam. Right, 8.16, it's, uh, where are we? Tuesday the 25th of June, I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. An MP is calling for the resignation of five key members of the East of England Ambulance Service Trust after an external review found that weak leadership and a lack of focus had put patients at risk. The man shot dead at a house in Belgrave Road, Aylesbury on Sunday has been named locally as 44-year-old Daryl Farnham. In sport today at Wimbledon, Novak Djokovic and Serena Williams play some tennis matches. Coming up, we'll talk more about the East of England Ambulance Service Trust. Some board members may have to resign. BBC Three Counties Radio. Weeknights from seven. Mark Forrest. Good evening, Joe. Good evening. Let's talk to Lynn. What's your story? Is there life after the armed forces? They've got fantastic skill sets. City Street is great. Fruit, veg. You're telling me the best thing about your local market. It's inexpensive, but quality products that's grown locally. How has adoption affected your family? He always says to me, she is my birth mother, but you're my mum. Mark Forrest. Weeknights from seven on BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, it turns out we have very, very little in common. (laughs) There's a surprise. I've bared myself to you, Mm. and you have judged me. And when I asked if if that judgment placed me higher or lower than previously, you said lower. Uh, and now you're giving me disdainful looks because I think tennis is a bore and a chore. Well, I'm not a sports fan, but I can't agree with you with your hostility to Wimbledon. I mean, Wimbledon is just wonderfully British. But you see, the only reason, the only thing you've given me that you like about Wimbledon mm. is the noise. Yes, what? I like the noise. I don't. I'm not really interested in tennis. But if yes, but if it happens to be on the TV and you hear, oh. you know, the the sound of Wimbledon, there's something summery about it. I feel like cracking open the pims. And uh, and soaking up the rays when I hear the sound of Wimbledon. It's tedious. 
It's dull. What channel is Neighbours on? I don't know, but everything sw- switches channel. I mean, it's Channel 5 now. They bought that a couple of years ago. I had that told to me yesterday. But they just switch everything around. Really? Yes. Press your red button now to see what's happening on Court 37. No. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take my red button out and throw it in the bin. I'm never going to press it again because of you, tennis. Put it in the kitchen sink. <laughs> I no, I will say this. I made... <laughs> Don't tell that story on okay. there, will you? I won't. <laughs> no, I will. Ye- this was a few. This was a few years ago. Okay, and gentlemen, will, the, the gentlemen will back me up on this. A few years ago, I lived in a flat where the toilet was a significant distance away. Oh, no. The kitchen was right next door to the living room. If I was up at one o'clock in the morning having a cup of tea and um, I don't know, playing Xbox, watching a movie, reading a book, writing a dissertation on something, I don't know. Then to save time. <laughs> Instead, well, I don't think this is this bad. To save time, instead of going walking all the way down to the West Wing to go Everyone to the, else is going to judge you in the same way I did. I don't think they will. Really? Instead of going to the bathroom, mm. I would sometimes do a wee-wee in the kitchen sink. I would flush it away with... Wa- <laughs> Look at your team! <laughs> See, I judged him. It's that, disgusting, isn't it? You've gone Kelly down Betts. in my estimation. That's Kelly Betts judging me like that. It must be bad. <laughs> exactly. she's filth. That, no. is dis- that is a disgusting thing to do. I would wash it away with warm water to disinfect the sink. <laughs> it's just a sink, for goodness sake. It's not like I was doing it in people's cups. <laughs> you are. Oh, that's awful. I have not done that for several months, I promise you. <laughs> and I've only done it in this <laughs> building once. <laughs> if there, and if there were dishes in the sink, I would move them to one side. <gasps> that is just, just over. Oh. Everyone, Bedsarts and Bucks oh. is judging you. Yeah, they are thinking, well, at last, someone who's speaking out for us. Someone who's saying what we've all been thinking. You won't find anyone else this morning who's done that. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. You won't find them. Look, you see, look at the phone lines. Just, no one's backing you up. People are just coming up with their fake names to use with the phone up because people are scared of this, this prejudice against us. Are sink users. Ooh. Did you at least put a little bit of disinfectant around after and give it a scrub? Oh my word, you didn't. You just ran the hot tap. What's on your show this morning? Coming up this morning on the big phone-in at nine, I'm asking, are you confident the police are no longer racist? A former undercover officer says he was asked to smear the family of murdered black teenager Stephen Lawrence to protect the police from criticism. Four years after Lawrence was killed, High Court Judge Sir William McPherson was asked to investigate the police. His report accused them of institutional racism. Institutional racism is defined as the collective failure of an organisation to provide an appropriate and professional service to people because of their colour, culture or ethnic origin. In short, the police were racist at that time. That was, of course, a long time ago. And they say that things have changed. Well, from nine this morning, I want your views. Are you confident the police are no longer racist? Here's the number, 08459 455 555. And as soon as Ian finishes, I'd like your calls on that. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555. Every time I do this show, I give a little bit more of me than perhaps I should, and for that I can only uh, apologise. Right, uh, the ambulance service that covers beds, hearts and... Uh, beds and hearts, sorry, were discussed in Parliament today. Board members of the East of England Ambulance Service Trust have been called on to resign following a highly critical report of the service. A recent external review of the Trust, which serves six million people, found that weak leadership and a lack of focus have put patients at risk. The Conservative MP for Witham in 
in Essex, Priti Patel, will today demand the resignation of five non-executive directors in a Commons debate. Vice Chairman Paul Remington, Caroline Bales, Phil Barlow, Anne Osborne and Margaret Stockham get £6,000 a year each from taxpayers to hold the trust to account. Well, Neil, Neil Storey is the Executive Director of Operations at the East of England. At, gosh, why am I, I'm so tongue-tied this morning. I do apologise. Let's try that again. Big run-up. Neil Storey is the Executive Director of Operations at the East of England Ambulance Service NHS Trust. Apologies for that, Neil. Good morning. Thanks for coming on. Mrs Patel uh, accuses the board of a culture of incompetence. Do you accept that? Um, that was uh, a comment that came from um, the latest uh, report and review undertaken by uh, Dr Marsh recently uh, and submitted to, uh, to the organisation. Um, there's clearly issues that the organisation has highlighted and identified um, around its previous um, board, uh, and those issues have been very open and declared by the organisation. Do you accept um, there's a culture of incompetence? Um, no, I don't accept there's a culture of incompetence of our current board, and we've got a newly appointed chair in Dr Jeff Harris and a newly appointed chief executive who, uh, who are helping the trust move forward. In what way move forward, Neil? What's being done differently? Well, we've got a, a, a turnaround plan that we issued back in April, as, as I'm sure you're aware. Um, what's it, what's in this? It's, it's a fancy title. What's in this turnaround plan? Well, the turnaround plan does exactly what it says on the tin, really. It helps the organisation turn around from, from where it's been. It, it focuses on but, making sure we put the operation on the front line, that we prioritise our, our response to patients, in particular things like improving our recruitment. So we've got a large-scale recruitment campaign on at the moment to recruit paramedics, emergency care assistants, to put more resources and ambulances out on the road to patients. It focuses on really four key themes, focusing on our staff and our people, um, reviewing the leadership of the organisation. It focuses on making sure that we can look after and train our staff and educate them properly um, and put the best service out to patients in the east of England. Why weren't you putting the best uh, service out previously? This refocuses the organisation, um, and I think there's been an issue of focus historically um, about making sure that we prioritise the right things, and um, organisationally, that, that's a place where we are, are into now. But, but why weren't you that. putting out the, the best service previously? There's, there's a number of challenges with that. It's certainly an issue of level of resources. Um, from my perspective as the operations director, getting the right number of ambulances on, on the street to patients is absolutely essential. Um, and, and clearly with a big organisation, there are lots of things to focus on. But that, that resource level, those numbers of ambulances in the right place at the right time for patients is essential. So you're saying that the, the reason you weren't achieving, uh, weren't being as good as you possibly could have been in the past is purely resources, finances? It, it's certainly about a level of resources, you know, it's a big... It's not down, to bad, lead, it's not down to bad leadership, it's, it's not down to, to people being incompetent, it, it's purely down to resources. Is that what you're saying? Certainly looking forward, our, our, our main focus is well, then, on, let's, on let's that. Well, let's look back at what went wrong. Are you saying that the reason you weren't delivering the, the best service you could, and there were failings in the service, is not because of leadership, not because of people, it was purely down to resources? No, that, that's not what I was saying. Uh, what, you know, I mean, it's been clear from our, our reviews that we've had and clear from the people that have come in to, um, to, to look at the organisation that there were a mix of issues. You know, we've been very well, open about You've mentioned resources. You, you mentioned resources. What, what, are the other, what, what were the other issues, Neil? Well, the things that we've addressed in our, our turnaround plan, so around leadership, as you've mentioned. So there was um, a problem with leadership? Absolutely, and that's been addressed. And, and as I say, we've got a newly appointed chief executive 
and chair of the organisation. And I think, you know, we can spend a lot of time looking backwards about why things went well, wrong. Well, we, we need to look happened, backwards, don't we, Neil? We, 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 do need, we do need to look backwards to learn from the mistakes, don't we? It's important to learn from the mistakes so that we don't repeat them moving forward, absolutely. But, but my priority, my focus, the focus of, of this board and this team is, is to look forward and to focus on the issues to improve this service and turn it around. But you can, only, you, can, you can only improve the service by, by looking at what went wrong, can't you? That, that's, that's the thing. The report did find uh, that, that weak leadership uh, and a lack of focus put patients' lives at risk. And, and that, as I said, already has been addressed and been How have you addressed it? A lack that. of focus put patients' lives at risk. Weak leadership put patients' lives at risk. The job of the job of our, our new chief exec and our chair is to absolutely review the the board membership and make sure that they're they're comfortable that they've got the right level of skills and capability to lead the trust forward at the board level. What's happening and with the five people who've been named? Are they going to keep their positions? That, that's not for me to comment on. That, as I said, would earlier, you like them to keep their positions? Do you think they're they're competent? It's not about whether I would like them to keep their positions well, or not. As I've mentioned, the, the, the chair... You're the, the executive the director of operations at the East of England, England Ambulance Service. Do you think those five people should keep their positions? As I said earlier, the, the, respo- the role of the, the chair, Jeff Harris, is to make sure that we've got the right skills on that board and it's for Jeff to determine whether or not those non-executives have got the skills and capabilities to move forward. And as I mentioned, you know, my, my job is to focus on the real issues to turn the organisation round. It is important to look back and learn from things. But so is pretty Patel wrong in trying to call for not, these people to, to, to lose their positions? What's not helpful is, is, you know, how long do you dwell on the past before you move forward? Neil, and we're Neil, on moving Neil, forward. no, 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 I'm, I'm not buying that. It, it's very important to dwell on the past because people's lives have been put at risks. Uh, people's lives have been put at risk. So we have to dwell on the past, don't we? We have to learn from the past and we have to use that learning to make sure we can move is forward. Pretty that's Patel, absolutely what we're doing. Is Pretty Patel uh, wrong in asking for these people to uh, resign? It's entirely um, Pretty Patel's decision as to whether or not she... Well, what do you, what do you think, Neil? I'm, I'm confused as to why you won't let, give me your opinion on this. As, as uh, In your position, you, why do you feel you can't give me... Your opinion on this? Because it's not for my, it's not for me to make that decision or opinion. That decision is for the board to take. That decision is for the chair and the chief executive to make moving forward. That's why we've got a newly appointed chair, and that that's the job I'm sure that Jeff will do. Jeff will do a fabulous job in leading this organisation forward. And my job isn't to focus on the exec and the board. My job is to focus on being part of that leadership team to take it forward and being able to focus on those key areas as we've said. So, you know, we've already seen since April an improvement in all of our response time standards to patients across all of our calls. We've seen a reduction in our complaints. We've seen a reduction in serious incidents. You know, we've seen, you know, we've done this at the same time as, as continuing our paramedic education, uh, as maintaining our, our appraisals for our staff. You know, there's certainly the feedback that, and the feeling that I'm getting from staff out on the ground on, on my, my station visits and, and ride outs is that things are starting to improve, but clearly there's a long way to go still. Are, you, are, you, hearing from, are you hearing from the staff on the ground that, that morale is improving? Very slowly but surely. Because we heard from... It's interesting you say that. We did hear from Unison today that you you need to start with a clean slate. Uh, uh, Staff morale was mentioned, and we've been told it's very, very low. A clean slate could correct that, couldn't it? uh, I'm not quite sure what you mean by a clean slate, but I mean the clean slate... By the five people who've been named stepping down. I think the, the key issues for staff morale are not about individuals, in my view. It's about the organisation. It's about whether staff 
have got the appropriate education, training, equipment. But if, they, if the people... Neil, I'm really sorry to press this. It really feels like you're, you're skirting around the issue. If the people who are out there, who are dealing with the public, who, uh, who are getting the flack for this uh, on the street, if their morale is low and they think that a clean sweep, that these five people who have been named need to step down, you need to listen to that, don't you, Neil? Absolutely, it's really important that the organisation would listen to that. So what's your reaction to that, that then? That's, that's what they're saying. Well, you are the organisation, you, you claim to have listened to it. What's your reaction to what you've just been said? We've just been my told. Reaction, my reaction is that that's not what the organisation's saying. So you've heard from an MP that, that's calling no, for no, that. No, 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 I've not heard that from an MP. Outside representative this morning. Yeah, I've heard from, I've heard from, uh, from uh, the East of England Ambulance Branch Secretary uh, in unison. So yeah, I've heard Correct. from someone who works with uh, the people on, uh, who are dealing with this, the frontline staff. You're uh, saying that he's wrong. No, not what I'm saying is that there's more than just um, one one individual. You're in the saying that Gary Aplin. You're saying that Gary Aplin, who is a spokesperson for for ambulance stuff, you're saying that he's wrong. I'm saying that Gary's entitled to his opinion. But it's not his opinion. It's the opinion of the people he represents, isn't it? So, are you saying that Gary Aplin from Unison is wrong? No, I'm saying that my experience from just talking to our staff that I've spoken to recently is that their focus is on the key issue of the organisation. Their focus is on whether or not they're getting their training. Certainly the focus from the discussions that I've had with people on station, their number one overriding issue isn't the five non-executive directors. Their overriding issues are the fact that they're now getting their appraisals, they're now getting their training education, they can see a clinical career pathway for them being developed, they've got resources improving on the road, and and the organisation is listening to them. We've got a number of... Vice-Chairman Paul Remington, Caroline Bales, Phil Barlow, Anne Osborne, Margaret Stockham, they get money... And it would, it would seem they've not... They get money from the taxpayer. It would seem they've not been doing their job properly. Are you happy with that? All non-executives clearly get money from the taxpayer. Are you happy with them being paid for, for not doing their job properly? It's right that non-executive directors receive remuneration. And as I said before, it's the responsibility of the chair to decide whether or not those individuals have done their job properly. OK, Neil, we have to end it there. Thank you very much. Neil Story, Executive Director of Operations at the East of England Ambulance Service NHS Trust. <laughs> Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the trains this morning, there are no delays or problems reported. Tubes into and out of London running well. A couple of issues on the roads. In St Albans Main Avenue, we're hearing reports it's been blocked by a burst water main between King Harry Lane and Claudian Place. This is apparently near Waitrose, and it was Anne who gave us a call, so thank you, Anne. M1 southbound looking slow as you come from Northampton down toward the Newport Pagnell services and on toward Milton Keynes. Continuing on the M1, if you're coming in toward London, Bricketwood to Watford looking quite slow, junction 6 to 5. M25, stop start from the M11 to Enfield into the roadworks and then it's quite slow from Watford right the way through to the M40 then into London on the A1 through Boreham Wood there are delays Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus and the A10 through Enfield is queuing from Bullsmore Lane to Southbury Road Adam Glynn BBC Three Counties Radio Adam thanks very much 8.33 a little bit later than usual let's get the news and sport now here's Catherine Boyle Across beds hearts and bugs This is BBC Three Counties Radio Good morning. The Essex MP Priti Patel is calling for the resignation of five key members of the East of England Ambulance Service Trust after an external review found that weak leadership and a lack of focus had put patients at risk. A post-mortem's due to be carried out today on the body of 11-year-old Rebecca Thompson, who was found dead at her home in Bushy on Saturday. And the man shot dead at a house in Belgrave Road, Aylesbury on Sunday has been named locally as 44-year-old Daryl Farnham. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Rafa Nadal refused to blame injury for bowing out of Wimbledon at the first round stage yesterday. The French Open champion suffered his first ever first round exit at a Grand Slam as he lost to the world number 135, Steve Darcis. The Spaniard appeared laboured as he fell into a straight sets defeat but afterwards paid tribute to his opponent. For me it was not a lot of things good but, um, you know, just congratulate Darcis. I think he played with the right decision, played well and that's it. It's, it's not the right day. I I tried my best out there in in every moment. Um, was not was not possible for me. And that's all. No, the, the opponent played well. I had my chances. I didn't make it. Fingers crossed a local player will have better luck in the doubles today. Dave Rice, who trained at the Gosling Centre in Welling, will line up alongside Sean Thornley. Playing Frank Mose and Marinko Matosovic, one guy from Germany, one guy from Australia. Um, I mean, we, we know him a little bit. But uh, we, we never actually played them before, so obviously, hopefully, we can we can win. And we've basically got a uh, sort of not before times so yeah, here. We're going to probably play in the evening. And in football, MK Dons manager Carl Robinson believes his younger players will benefit most from the appointment of Gary Waddock as head of coaching. Waddock's arrival at Stadium MK plugs the gap left by Mick Harford's departure as assistant manager earlier this month. And Robinson says Waddock has many strengths. He's a fantastic coach. He's a, he's a very calm and influenced, but he's a very, very good coach. We've worked with young players before. Um, he understands the belief in young players. Uh, his philosophy is very, very similar and very attacking football. So he, I can say any player under the age of 24 at the football club is, is one of the rewards of, of working under somebody who wants to coach. And that's your latest news and sport. I'll be back with more at nine. Come on, Dave. There you go. Quiet, please. Travel news. Oh, <laughs> it's all gone a little bit psychedelic. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, what a hodgepodge of things we've thrown out there. We've gone from weighing in the sink to um, borrowing another man's uh, shirt to um, talking about whether you trust the police, to talking about ambulance service. It's been a busy show. Let's have a little recap. If any of this grabs your fancy, you can give us a call. Uh, last 25 minutes of the show, before JVS at 9 o'clock. Um, we are asking, in light of um, the revelations about the, uh, the the police yesterday, about Stephen Lawrence's family being spied on, there's a story on the front page of the police uh, of the Guardian that the police were spying on other people who, not because they were crooks or anything, they just didn't like them. Hillsborough? Do you trust the police? 08459 four double five five double five um and also I, I i hate to bring this up but i did this was this was a few years ago i mean this is kind of five years ago i did a wee wee in the sink several times it was it was quicker than going to the toilet i rinsed it away with warm water so that's kind of cleaning it oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number uh, if you want to give us a call we're also talking as well uh, about gps lots in the paper today about plans for longer nhs hours Doctors' leaders have been accused of ignoring the wishes of patients by mocking plans for more services at evenings and weekends. Sir Bruce Keogh, the medical director of NHS England, is working on plans for more routine operations, clinics and tests. But yesterday, Dr Mark Porter, chairman of council at the British Medical Association, said the health service can barely afford its current model. It's been described by some as a Tesco NHS, where a 24-7 service is available. Well, it's difficult, isn't it? If you work normal hours, and I'm lucky I don't, but if you work normal hours, trying to get an appointment with the doctor, it's difficult. What are the doctor's hours these days? 8.30 till 5.30, 6? 
If you're work, if you're commuting to work, you can't make that unless you take the morning off work, which is risky because you might have to wait a bit longer if they overrun, or taking the afternoon off work. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Would you like to see your doctor at the weekend or later in the evening? Joyce Robbins is the director of Patient Concern, who campaign on patient rights. Uh, morning, Joyce. Do you think we need an NHS which operates the same across all seven days of the week? We need. A, we certainly need a service seven days a week. People don't just get ill, you know, on the, the convenient days. You're really ill on a Saturday or Sunday. You need care, and the care you got get, um, you know, tends to be some part-time, uh, partly qualified people or people who can't speak English or something like that. And it just won't do. You know, we can't ration care to Mondays to Fridays at convenient hours. It doesn't work that way. We, I spoke to a doctor earlier on, Joyce, who, who said that his surgery, and as far as he was concerned, lots of other surgeries, did give patients appointments on Saturdays. If I'm honest, I've never come across this before. <laughs> yes, I have come across it. <laughs> but that's about just about how to put it. You do come across it. It does happen in some places. And even then, we, we tend to be talking about Saturday mornings, you know, not not the full range of the week. If you get really ill on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday, you know, you try phoning an ambulance and getting into something. Almost impossible. Why do you think there is a reluctance to provide uh, uh, an NHS or a a GP service later in the evening or at weekends? Doctors do get paid quite well. uh, And and it's it's difficult for, for, in inverted commas, normal people to get time off work to pop down to the GPs, isn't it? Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, if you've got to take sort of half a day off or something like that, you're going to be in danger of your job quite often. Um, you know, they've got to come round to the idea that health is a seven-day-a-week business. I mean, it used to be much more so, of course. I mean, this is a fairly recent thing, the last few years, that doctors, you know, um, aren't on, simply aren't on at the weekends, um, and there's, there's really no good reason for it. There, there, there should be a proper rotor. Of course, one of the problems with GPs particularly is that we now have an awful lot of women I mean, in our surgeries locally, we have women who work two days a week or three days a week. Very nice, very convenient, lovely for the children. Pretty rotten for patients who simply can't get to see them. You're talking about female doctors? That's right, yeah. Uh, What would you like to see see those female doctors do then not work at all or work longer no they used to work normal hours i Mm. mean you 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 arrange them you have certain days off and this sort of thing but but women doctors if they came in used to work pretty well like men doctors now they don't it's a nice thing for women to do because they can have plenty of time off for their children nice for their children not so good for the patients when people come to you with their concerns, uh, Joyce, does, does availability of services keep cropping up? Oh, it certainly does, yes. What, yes. Do, what do they say? Um, well, you know, how do I get there? How do I get there in the, the hours that doctors are there? My, my work won't let me off. I might lose my job. People are worried these days. It's not that easy to find work anymore. Joyce, finally, what changes would you like to see made in terms of availability? I'd like to see a proper, a proper service that we used to have. I mean, I, and I can remember, remember calling out my, my ordinary doctor, and he came at sort of four o'clock in the morning. Uh, not if, you know, you don't expect that every night, but you expect a rot- proper rotor so that whenever you get really sick, you can call on a doctor who is qualified, who speaks English. Joyce, nice to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. So much I could talk about uh, there, but we, we, we do have to move on. That's Joyce Robbins, Director of Patient Concern, a campaign on patient rights. It is, uh, I remember, 
um, uh, being able to call the doctor out of hours, and he'd come around. I remember having a... T- I go on about my migraines. Uh, how old was I? This was probably about... I was 22. It was about 18 years ago. Just having one of the worst migraines ever. Oh, it went on for days. It was awful. And uh, my then-girlfriend called a doctor up uh, at about half eleven at night. He came round. He gave me a shot of morphine. Oh, thank you, sir. Sing hosannas. Can't do that. There's one, one, one now, isn't it? You go through a checklist. We're talking to someone on a phone system, computer system, and they say, yeah, maybe you should pop down to A&E. Okay. Nice one. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. Uh, sorry about this, but I have revealed a little bit of myself that uh, in the past, and I would do it again if I had to, if I had to, I'm not ashamed, I have urinated in the, the kitchen sink. Well, Carl in Bedford says, Ian, I've done the sink thing. Uh, two is to get to the bathroom, I had to go through my mate's bedroom, so use the sink so I didn't wake them. Sensible, polite, charming. Morning, Ian. My brother-in-law, Bob, used to wee in the kitchen sink all the time, so sue him well in Garden City. It's not that unusual. It's disgusting. I'll give you that. OK. But it happens. Tomorrow, I promise, it's going to be a wee-free show. Absolutely promise. That's, that's going to happen. Quick look at the front pages. Oh, no, no, too. Well, let's look at the, the, the Facebook, shall we? We've not been on Facebook for a while, and I do appreciate all of your comments that you leave on the Facebook page. And they do all get read at some point. Trust me. Trust me, we have to read them, because we get some naughty ones put up there, uh, and we have to censor them. So they do all get read at some point, even if they don't get read out on the radio. I make sure that they, uh, they um, get looked at. Uh, let's talk about this. Is it ever acceptable for men to to exchange clothes to lend each other clothes i it seems to be okay for women but not for men um uh, denise says i would sorry oh for goodness stop perving over Ju- justin Dealey, women just leave it re wants me and justin to do a naked calendar shoot yeah that's going to happen yeah for charity i would buy one oh go away for goodness sakes denise and re dirty 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 uh ben says after a party years ago my mate came back to my mum's where i was staying the night as it was raining, he decided to take my clothes and leave me his wet ones. Yeah, but you see, men helping each other. Uh, Kelly Betts says, I think Ian's forearm is the best forearm I've ever seen. Well, that's nice. Um, Lisa says, why don't men go to the cinema on their own or clothes shopping? Huh? I always go to the cinema on my own. I much prefer going to the pictures on my own. Um, uh, oh, you're all just being rude. This is, this is not what the internet was invented for. Well, but let me email Mark Zuckerman and ask him if we can get Facebook closed down for a day. You're all abusing the internet, the lot of you. Shame on you. Oh, this is why I prefer phone calls, you see, because I, I have the ability to cut you off at a moment's notice. 08459 555555. Last 15 minutes of the show. Let's focus this slightly. Do you trust the police? 08459 555. We've not had many people saying, actually, yes, no, I think they do a cracking job. Completely support them, completely trust them, 100%. If you want to defend the police or otherwise, 08459 555 555. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Some issues in St Albans, Main Avenue is blocked by a burst water main. It's blocked off between King Harry Lane and Claudian Place. Uh, homes in the area apparently out of water at the moment, that's what we're hearing. A uh, few people tweeting about that one and Anne gave us a very useful phone call. It's quite near to Waitrose in St Albans where that's happened. The M1, you've got delays southbound from Northampton at Junction 15 to all the Newport Pagnell services. Uh, some delays on the M25 this morning as well. Clockwise is now stop start from Junction 22 at London Coney to 25 at Enfield, so running through the roadworks is looking busy. Coming the other way through the works, it's slow on the approach from the M11 to the A10. Then it gets busier from Watford to the M4. Not a solid queue, but very slow moving around that stretch of the motorway. If you're going to be driving into London, the A1 along the Barnet Bypass is queuing southbound from Stirling Corner down towards Mill Hill Circus. Tubes not causing any problems this morning. And on the train departure boards, nothing running more than a couple of minutes late here or there. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. It's 8.46, it's Tuesday the 25th of June. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. An MP will use a Commons debate to call for the resignation of five non-executive directors of the East of England Ambulance Service Trust today after a report found weak leadership had put patients at risk. A post-mortem is due to be carried out today on the body of 11-year-old Rebecca Thompson, who was found dead at her home in Bushy on Saturday. In sport, Rafael Nadal says it was his rustiness on grass rather than a knee problem which was behind his shock first-round exit at Wimbledon yesterday. Coming up, big questions here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Is it acceptable for men to share clothes? I want Dealey's shirt, and I want it now. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, it's been a beautiful start to the day. We've had a little bit of cloud floating through, but it's quite high. You're seeing the sun behind it, so some blue sky out there as well, and it's starting to feel quite warm. Now, there's this a very, very slight risk of running an isolated shower later on this afternoon, but most places should stay dry, and the temperature getting up to uh, 20 Celsius. That's 68 degrees in Fahrenheit. Now, overnight, there will be one or two clearer spells, which means one or two mist and fog patches likely to form tomorrow morning, but a minimum temperature just sneaking below double figures, 9 Celsius, 48 degrees in Fahrenheit. Now for tomorrow it's a very similar day. Looking dry, again the risk of an isolated chance but fairly unlikely and temperatures staying around the 20 Celsius mark so another warm one on the cards. That's your forecast. Thank you very much Kate. If you've missed any of the programmes from the last week, you've missed things like this. It was awful, because I think my dad, I don't know whether he, I think he was the first celebrity, really, to sort of get sectioned. But there is a way you can hear it all again. I'm about to speak to Rachel Bruno. She was just 16 years old when her very famous father was sectioned. Go to bbc.co.uk slash three counties and click on listen again. All of our programmes are available for seven days, allowing you to listen to what you missed or things you'd love. To hear again. BBC.co.uk slash three counties. Don't forget, of course, you can listen to this show on BBC uh, iPlayer and listen again. Or there is a weekly best of podcast. I know. We find enough material to make a weekly best of. Uh, It comes out every Friday, about one, two o'clock in the afternoon, and I think there are four, so four or five, I think there's four up at the moment. If you go to iTunes, type in Ian Lee, I-A-I-N-L-E-E, get that extra I, otherwise you won't find me, you get someone else's rubbish, I-A-I-N-L-E-E, and you can download the podcasts and carry them around in your pocket, and if you leave nice comments for us and five-star reviews, then we shoot up the charts. I'm about number nine in the news and politics chart, the news and politics! Wow, they've obviously never listened to the show at all, have they? 
08459 455 555 is the telephone number. If you want to give us a call, it's the last 15 minutes of the show. We're talking um, about, well, is it ever okay for men to share clothes? Women do it all the time, and I've always been jealous of that. Oh, I like that blouse. Can I wear it to Denise's party? Of course you can, Shirley. Here you go. Well, I like the shirt that Justin is wearing today. It's a nice shirt, Justin. It's a lovely shirt. You just mentioned five star there. Oh, reminiscing the 1980s. What a great decade. Yeah, it's a lovely shirt, isn't it? It's lovely. Yes. Nice green khaki shirt, nice tight-fitted shirt, Italian. I don't think it suits you. I think it makes you look uh, like a 50-year-old (laughs) has-been, whereas it would make me look like a 37-year-old soon-to-be. You want it bad, don't you? I do. I want you to give it to me. Mm. Hang on a second. Do you want me to give you the shirt or do you want me to lend you the shirt Come well on. Let's, let's let's be correct on this come on i i, I, I want to give these <laughs> right you want it you've been asking people haven't you yeah this is the big question of the day now i said to you earlier on i'm wearing this shirt today um you quite like it i've said it's up to the people of luton so yes. i've been in luton this morning uh, very interesting first answer coming up here i've been asking people in luton is it ever acceptable for men to share clothes this is what people had to say no man man is with a share clothes at all the embarrassing man to go out and see you have on your friend clothes and your friend have it on the next day. Embarrassing, man. Um, yeah, if they're brothers or friends. I mean, Ian's not really a friend. Well, if someone asks, then I don't see a problem. Just as long as they don't take it without asking. I think he's going to steal it. That's my fear. Well, it's just a shirt. As long as it's not Prada or anything, then why this not? This is not just any shirt. Look at the shirt. Come on, score that shirt out of ten for me. I'll give it an eleven. I like it. Eleven out of ten? Yeah, I like it. Steam it. <laughs> Simon, do you like my shirt? Simon, do you like my shirt? Do you? Yeah. (laughs) Now, uh, the question is, is it ever acceptable for men to share clothes? You're a man yourself. Is it acceptable? Yeah, I think it's very acceptable, yeah. So what have you borrowed, then? Uh, Underwear. Please, come on. Straight out, I've borrowed underwear. From who? Uh, One of my friends. After a night out, I couldn't find my pants, so here's what they're. They'll do. I don't think it's acceptable because... um Men, they're not they're all that clean like women. Because as women, we like changing clothes, buying clothes all the time. And um, when it comes to perfume and all that, we are very, very delicate in our way of... Are you saying I'm not clean? No, man, you're very lazy. Yes, provided they haven't worn them first. So if I take this home, wash it and then bring it back, you think it's perfectly acceptable? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Why shouldn't you? Now, here we have a photograph of Ian, and obviously you're looking at me right now. Who do you think would look better in that shirt? You, definitely. He, he, he's No, it's too young for him, I think. <laughs> too young style. What? So, your word's not mine. Absolutely. What a rude woman! Sorry, mate. <laughs> Just the people of Lucent. What, what can I say? Did you do your Jedi mind <laughs> trick when you ask someone a question? Uh, have a look at this shirt. You think it's too young for Ian Lee to wear, don't you? <laughs> no, I do. I promise you. But no, do you think you're an attractive guy? Ian, you are an attractive guy. Two questions for you here. Yes, you can borrow the shirt if you want to. Would you like it? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. And secondly... Actually, weird twist of fate here. I am actually going shopping today. I'm leaving early. I'm going at 10 o'clock. Uh-huh. Full on shift yesterday. So I'm going shopping at 10. Uh-huh. Do you fancy it? Well, going shopping with you? Yeah. Does it get me out of the meeting at 10.30? Oh, yes. I'm totes in. <laughs> Stay there, Justin, because Thanks. Patrick Swan is on. Patrick Swan is a personal shopper, fashion and image consultant. Patrick, is it ever OK for men to, to share clothes? Well, 
I, I don't really think that it's a good idea. However, I have actually borrowed something myself. Whenever I got married, I borrowed a good friend's best uh, his tie. But I think that it's a sign of really you're liking what other people are wearing, and I think that's a positive sign that you're opening up your horizons. But I think really it's, it's, it's all down to personal hygiene as well. And I think many times when people borrow things, it's almost like renting. You almost don't take care of it the same as whenever you buy it. But women do, women share clothes all the time, Patrick. It doesn't seem fair that they can get away with it and we can't. Well, but many women that I speak to who do have people who share their clothes, they always complain to me, that's why they go shopping with me, is that really people don't take care of their clothes. Mm. So, so women don't take care of each other's clothes as well? That's correct. Well, this is why I never lend anybody DVDs or CDs, because I never get them back, or if I do, they're always scratched. So the same thing could be happening to clothes as well. Did you hear there, Patrick, there's a gentleman who borrowed his friend's pants. That, that's strictly off-limits, isn't it? Uh, I would not... I would, it's, it's, a, it's a hygiene issue. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. really is a hygiene issue. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I don't really think that anybody should be questioning somebody's hygiene. We, we heard in the, the, the package there, Patrick, that it's okay for brothers to do it. That, 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 I'm sure, is acceptable. What about close friends? I mean, Justin and I are starting. We're in the early days of a bromance. Is, is it okay if you're, you're close friends? Yes, I think so, because then, then there's a mutual respect, hopefully, going on. And I think that's something about friendship, that really it is respecting each other's personal property. Here's a question for you, you, you Patrick. Justin Dealey's got a very nice pair of shoes, uh, and uh, they got a hole in them quite quickly. So he went out and he bought exactly the same pair of shoes. Is that a bit weird? No, because I think if you, if it, especially if it's a classic shape or a shape that really has, a, as I refer to many types of clothes, clothes that have a life, something that's really not going to go out of fashion in a season or two. I would say it has a slightly um, poncy shape to it. <laughs> Well, uh, there again, uh, that's where the personal shopper comes in. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, hey, listen, Justin and I are going to go shopping this morning. Do you want to come out with us? I would love to. We don't have to pay you, do we? Yes, you do. Thanks very much, Patrick. <laughs> nice to talk to you, Patrick Swan there. The reason I mentioned the shoes, dear listener, is Justin has reckoned he can get an interesting bit of radio out uh, by the end of this week about his shoes. Justin, I think I've proved quite successfully that you can't. No, I think I will. Uh, by Friday, I guarantee you, there'll be people listening right now who are just as sad as me yeah, that, that well. go out and buy the same pair of shoes because they like them and in terms of shirts somebody said to me once that shirt you're wearing there it will never go out of fashion because it's never been in fashion justin Dealey, thank you very much indeed a wise wise man once asked me why i allow justin Dealey onto my radio show i said it's a contractual obligation Paul, last word of the day. Paul is in Milton Keynes. Oh, for goodness sakes, it's about this, is it? I was hoping we'd, we'd try and raise the standard a bit before JVS and said we, we just were abandoning ship pretty much. Paul, weeing in Hello. the sink. Yeah, um, battling to the early 70s in the Shelley, mum and my brother, and the toilets were downstairs. So every morning we'd pee in the sink in the Shelley. While your mum was there... Oh, Mum used to pee in there as well. Oh, no! Paul! Oh, dear! What a classy woman your mother was, eh? <laughs> well, I... Th- <laughs> I remember the first time I ever did it was in halls of residence at university, and I, 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 I didn't like, I didn't enjoy the experience. There was a little sink in the room. That was fine. But you did, do you do it now, Paul, or have you grown out of it? Oh, no. I, I can't reach him in where I am now. Why? Have you shrunk? Or yeah. has sinks got, got higher in, in, in the 21st century? 
got higher. OK, I didn't, I didn't get what you said there. And in many ways, I'm glad. Well, JVS, after nine o'clock, is asking, have you ever weed uh, in a sink? Oh, wait, no, he's not. At all. He's, he's, he's raising he's raising the standard as much as he can from this low-level filth. And I can only apologise, dear listener, that we've suddenly... I promise the rest of the week will be uh, bodily fluids free. I guarantee it. I don't like going below the waist too often, and we've done it quite a lot recently. No, JVS is doing something far more sensible. Uh, in light of the uh, recent Stephen Lawrence uh, news, you would have heard yesterday that the police uh, employed an officer to, um, well, to basically spy on the Lawrence family. Not, not only was it bad enough their son had been murdered and the police couldn't solve the crime at the time, they were being spied on to try and discredit them. And with other stories, uh, the front page of The Guardian as well, JVS is asking this morning, are you confident the police are no longer racist? You can start calling him now. 08459 455555. You can send an email as well, jvsshow at bbc.co.uk. Put your name, put your phone number and maybe a couple of lines of what you want to say and the, uh, the team might get back uh, in touch with you and put you on the air. You can also email me as well when we're out of hours. Oh, I'm, I'm constant. My mind is constantly a blur as to how we can make this show better and what we can do. So if you've got an idea for a story that we should be featuring on the show, do send me an email, ian.lee, I-A-I-N dot L-double-E at bbc.co.uk. It can be a huge thing that's affecting the whole country, or it can be a tiny thing that's just affecting you. ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. Put down a few details, and, and we may possibly get back in touch. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. In St Albans, Main Avenue is blocked by a burst water main between King Harry Lane and Claudian Place. A technician is en route to investigate this right now. A few homes in the area are not with water at present, so they're going to check that out and get it sorted. The M25, stop start into the roadworks. So from Junction 22 at London Coney, round to Enfield at Junction 25, the clockwise side looking busy, anti-clockwise still slow, from the M11 into the roadworks past Enfield. And then as you continue from Watford to the M40. You've got delays on the M1 this morning, southbound from Northampton to Newport Pagland down toward Milton Keynes. You've also got slow-moving traffic on the London-bound side from Bricketwood to Watford, so as you come down toward the end of the motorway. Things looking quite slow on the A1 into London through Boreham Wood from Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. Speed sensors also picking up a few delays in Harlow. The A414's been looking a little bit busy on and off this morning. And if the A10's your route of choice toward London, it's slow through Chesant and on the other side of the M25, slow through Enfield as well. Trains and tubes, though, running without any problems. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. Right, that's it. That's your lot. Well, that's only decent for you tomorrow. I can only apologise for the mess that's been today's show. Back tomorrow at six o'clock. Do stick around. JVS is up next. Until tomorrow, from me, ta-ta. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JVS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith.